Hello and welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 48th episode, our returning guest is Jonathan Fowler. You first heard Jonathan Fowler on episodes 2, 10, 20, 21, 29, 30, 31, 32, 34, 35, and 43 of the podcast. Jonathan graduated with a BA in history from Indiana University in 2006. He is an unabashed left-wing political junkie. He has lived and worked in South Korea for over nine years, trying to help the citizens of that great nation hopefully talk pretty one day. And now on to the show. Hey, how are you, Bob? Good, good. Are you really good? <laughs> we're good because we're great, in man. Situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then maybe, I don't know, I can't tell if these are the best days to be in the press or the worst. <laughs> it's a little, a little bit of both, I think. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so a lot of developments over the past couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm kind of glad we waited in uh, some ways because now we get to talk about that insane press conference uh, from yesterday. That was I didn't see the whole thing, but I saw enough of it to um, give me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I tried to. <clears throat> the whole thing was over an hour long, and I tried to watch from the beginning before I went to work earlier today. Um, but I, I mostly just saw his part of it. And actually, I saw I think I saw the highlights on all the comedy shows or whatever, <clears throat> where he was responding to questions and stuff. So, um, but yeah, yeah. It starts out, I mean, one of the first things he said was like, um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you, and then I'm going to take some questions. Uh, if you have any questions, who knows? Maybe you won't have any questions. Who knows? Or something <laughs> like uh, You prepare yourselves with just some questions, unless you have no questions. That's always a possibility. <laughs> it was it was a funny little moment there. <laughs> we know there, anybody who didn't raise their hand to ask questions at this point should lose their job <laughs> in the press pool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, and then he, you know, lied and tried to put a spin on things and went totally insane, insulted everybody, and so forth. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> As is his want. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did think asking the uh, black reporter if she could help set up the Congressional Black Caucus meeting was uh, a new a new low. Say <laughs> when you say the inner cities, are you gonna are you gonna include the CBC, Mr. President, in your conversations with your your urban agenda, your inner city agenda, as well as? Am I gonna include? Are who? you gonna include the Congressional Black Caucus and the Congressional? Well, Hispanic I would. Caucus, I tell you what, do you want to well set up the, the meeting? Do you want to set up the meeting? No, no, no. I, are they I, friends I, I, of I'm yours? Just a reporter. No, get a, set up the I meeting. I know some of them, but I'm sure. Let's go set up right a meeting. Now. I would love to meet with the Black Caucus. I think it's great. The Congressional Black Caucus. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, that's well. It's <laughs> what do we expect from this guy mm-hmm. at this point? <clears throat> He's uh, yeah. It's. I think. I mean. I just think. You know, he he needs to be impeached. He needs to be impeached right now. You know. Uh, not even speaking as a Democrat or a liberal or anything. He just needs to be impeached for the good of the country because this has been the first month. We're one month into four years. Something very, very, very bad is going to happen at some point. We all know that. Some crisis is going to come up, and he's going he's gonna to mishandle it like he's mishandled just about everything he's touched. And, you know, the question is, I mean, like, we know that's coming. Everybody, anybody who can see what's going on knows that's coming, and they need to get him out of there right now. But the, the Republicans are very cynically 
<clears throat> allowing him to stay in right now. And I've heard there's some grumbling that the Koch brothers and certain people in the traditional republic Republican establishment are thinking about getting rid of him after some point or something like that. But it's like he needs to be gone right now because, you know, and I'm sure, you know, some Democrats would say, well, he's already done some horrible things. What are you talking about? He could do some horrible things later. He's already doing it right now. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But I'm talking about like, you know, a military thing, Mm -hmm. uh, an international crisis thing, something that there's no coming back from, something that, you know, the next president can't just you know, right away with the sign of a pin, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. something, some major crisis is going to happen. He may start it or he may respond incorrectly to it, but mm-hmm. something horrible is going to happen. I just have a very bad feeling about this guy continuing to be in office based on everything that we've seen him do since he took office. Yeah, and, and not to mention the fact that everything he's doing is kind of trying to hasten the these conditions which would make something like that happening more and more likely. I mean, if you want to go to this uh, travel ban, uh, you know, that's a perfect example. I, I think that uh, I saw something where ISIS was even claiming it was it was their ban. So they're, they're already using it as propaganda for recruitment on their side and it's like you know, all these uh, bumbling missteps or maybe they're maybe they're not missteps maybe this is an intentional plan to to stir something up uh, you know beefing with Australia and like just everything he's doing is just making some sort of conflict some sort of uh, calamity more and more likely so just basically inevitable yeah mm-hmm. I mean it's you know and and when not if but when he does something that is totally beyond the pale, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know something that has real consequences in the in the in the here and now and then you know going forward forever i i'm i'm confident that the, the republicans will come to the point where where they will have to disown it but the thing is at that point they're going to try to get on all these morning shows and you know people probably like uh like Rand Paul or whatever Ron yeah Rand Paul you know these kind of guys who are giving them cover right now will you know They'll go out there and say, well, you know, it just came to a point where I just couldn't support him. And, you know, and they'll try to look like the reasonable person at that point. But they should get, they get nothing at that point. Mm -hmm. Because anybody with two eyes can see it right now. Mm -hmm. This guy's going to lead to disaster. And if you don't, you know, do something to get him out of office at this point, you are going to become personally responsible for whatever happens later. Mm Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's plain as the nose on your face that this guy is going to do some horrible, horrible things. Mm-hmm. Things are going to get very bad under him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you don't do something to stop it now, you get no credit later if you, you know, Johnny come lately to the party to impeach this maniac. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And it's remarkably cynical for the Republicans to be doing this. So. Yeah, I think they still think they can ride this bear or whatever, and it's just like the, the bear is going to eat you. It's it's not you can't ride this. Like, uh, wouldn't they work? Wouldn't they rather work with Mike Pence anyway? I mean, won't he just sign whatever terrible legislation they want him to sign? But maybe we'd have a little less chance of you know nuclear holocaust. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like like wouldn't they wouldn't they prefer that? I know it would look bad for the party or whatever, but come on, like just get, if you want if all you're concerned about is dismantling the social safety net and, you know, getting rid of Obamacare and, and whatever else. Couldn't you just do those things with somebody that wouldn't end the world? Like, Well, I mean, 
uh, we may have talked about this before. I can't remember, but like mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of Democrats have kind of self paralyzed themselves a little bit with like you know, well, which is worse, Trump or Pence? You know, and they take this, they do this kind of hot take thing with like, I think Pence would actually be worse because he actually believes this stuff and this and this and this and this. And it's like Mike Pence is a terrible person. He's got horrible policies, I'm sure, but he. It, it, there's just less of an existential threat from him. I think we can all agree. You know, he, he's he's going to do some. He's going to push for some bad stuff. We're going to protest him. We're going to fight him every step of the way, of course. But he's not the type of person who's going to cause an international incident, a military incident, necessarily. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he wants to go to war with Iran just as bad as Trump or anybody else does. But. But uh, it's comparing apples to oranges, comparing Trump to Pence. I mean, it's just, you know, mm. it's a it's a regular Republican, you know, conservative, et cetera, versus a, an unhinged, narcissistic maniac who is clearly, totally unfit for the position. Mm. It's just, you know, it's it, anybody can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I don't buy this thing where people like kind of like, well, what can we do? Because we don't want to have Mike Pence as president. It's like, well, I sort of agree. I, frankly, I think if this uh, Russia thing gets much worse, I think it's going to get to the point where we're going to have to say, you know, screw the system we have in place where it's the president and then it's the vice president and then it's the, you know, the, the leader of the Senate or I, I forget the chain of command. Exactly. I think it goes to the Speaker of the House after the vice president. Speaker of the House, yeah. I mean, that's not great. But I, I think the thing is, we have to reckon with the fact that we may have a, you know, an entire party that is, you know, throwing their lot in with the Russians mm-hmm. in a very treasonous way. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, I mean, I don't think that anybody involved in this administration, at least, should be in the White House. I mean, Mike Pence, they made a big deal this past week about how Mike Pence was cut out of the loop on the Russia thing, and he was... You know, he, they made a fool out of him because he lied on national TV saying that, and this is really something we have to talk about, I guess, is the Michael Flynn mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. Um, with the Russian call mm-hmm. and the contacts before that. I mean, I, and I know that's where we're going, so I guess, yeah, I mean, how would you like to kind of preface that or bring us into that? Well, um, yeah, that's, that's all good points there. I, I do think they're trying to kind of hang the credibility of the administration on Mike Pence because, uh, yeah, like you were saying, the basic uh, charge now is that the, well, although <laughs> to hear Trump tell it, it's it's all the media's fault, but uh, mm. to hear the uh, the official line is that the reason that Flynn had to go was because he lied to Pence and then Pence covered for him on TV. Um, the, the, yeah. real, the real thing, and the thing that I, I think I said this to you over Facebook uh, earlier, but um, the, the real thing, and the reason this isn't going to go away, uh, fortunately uh, for us, for, for people that don't want this to be happening, is that uh, it wasn't the fact that this was discovered, because they knew, the administration knew this was mm-hmm. happening, and uh, did nothing, and the only reason that any action was taken was because it went public. Um, so I think yeah. that that right there is the thing that's going to keep this going for uh, for a while, and uh, it's not going to be over with Flynn. I think they're hoping it would be over with Flynn, or that they could manage this, but it's it's bigger than that, obviously. So that's yeah. yeah. So I, and I, I don't think I don't even know that they're trying to hang the credibility of the administration on Pence. 
I think what Republicans like, like Morning Joe and stuff, Morning Joe Scarborough or whatever, I was watching some of his reaction to this stuff. He's been getting somewhat appropriately outraged against Trump and stuff. But at the same time, you get the feeling that he knows that Trump is watching, so he's trying to like speak directly to him and like appeal to his better angels or something. But at the same time, when they were talking about this situation and Morning Joe just kept going on and on. It's unfair. You can't keep, you know, you can't keep uh, the vice president out of the loop. You know, they made him look like a fool. And uh, so that's why he got fired. He has to go, you know. It's not Trump's fault. It's his other guy's fault. And that 30-year-old, you know, Miller guy or whatever. It's their fault. It's not, you know. I think what Morning Joe is trying to do is he's trying to, like, keep Pence viable to take over when the Trump situation inevitably flames out. They want to keep Mike Pence somewhat insulated from the insanity so they can say, well, he didn't really know what was going on or he wasn't supporting that. Mm-hmm. So that when they have to remove this guy, they still have a viable candidate in the White House to take over. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the spin I see coming from a lot of people is like, number one, Mike Pence didn't know. Number one, Mike Pence probably wouldn't want to know. <laughs> I don't think, he, you know. Number two, he probably did know. Mm-hmm. He says he didn't know. They say he didn't know. Do we have any evidence of that? Mm-hmm. Why would he not know? Yeah. You know? Um, number, number three, it doesn't matter if this guy lied to him because Donald Trump knew about the situation. Everybody got briefed on it or whatever by the, uh, what's the woman's name who got fired a few weeks ago? From, uh, Yates. Not in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yates warned them about this. She came to the White House with an independent person, nonpartisan person, and she said, look, we know that this is what the guy, this is what Michael Flynn called the Russian uh, ambassador about, and this is what they talked about, and he lied about it on TV, and now the Russians basically have blackmail over him because they can say at any time that, hey, you denied this, but we have proof that you did it. So, you know, that's blackmail power or whatever. And they came and they warned the White House about that. So if, if, if Mike Pence didn't know after that, then that's on Donald Trump. That's not on Michael Flynn. Mm-hmm. But everybody's trying to, like, contain the fire to the first guy who gets implicated, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. and, and let's let's not forget that, that there's no way that Flynn was acting alone. There's no way this was his idea that he thought of by himself that he called and, and extended this hand before he was even in office. This is, uh, you know, yeah, of, course, of, not. of course it's not his idea. I mean, why would it be? So it, it obviously extends further than him. It's just clear that it does. And, and in that press conference, I don't know if you got to this part yet, but uh, there was a part where somebody asked uh, about Flynn and, and, and Trump was like, well, I didn't do it, but if uh, it was some weird, I'm not, I'm going to get the dictation wrong, yeah. but it was some mealy mouth answer, but it wasn't like he was denying yeah. it. It was just like, Oh, I, I don't know. It wasn't me or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, um, he's like, uh, he didn't tell me about it, but I, if he had, I would have told him to do it or something. Yeah. Like, I don't think he did anything wrong. So it's like, <laughs> no, I fired him because of what he said to Mike Pence. Very simple. Mike was doing his job. He was calling countries and his counterparts. So it certainly would have been okay with me if he did it. I would have directed him to do it if I thought he wasn't doing it. I didn't direct him, but I would have directed him because that's his job. Yeah, legally I'm protected because I didn't know about it, but if I had known about it, I would have said it was okay, even though it's borderline illegal. <laughs> um, it was, you know, he wants to have it every which way. Basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't believe that Mike Pence didn't know. Um, I don't, you know, this this administration has been lying left and right. 
So if Mike Pence went on TV and told a lie because he didn't know some detail, what's new? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what's different? They, they go on TV and they lie every day anyways. Yeah. How does it matter if Mike Pence lied about something that um, he may or may not have been in the loop on? <laughs> yeah, we had an entire uh, podcast about the vice presidential debate where we went through <laughs> lie after lie after lie of, of Pence. So lying on TV is, is no new trick for Mike Pence. So I don't know why this <laughs> particular lie was so egregious. It's just another in the long line of them for me. So Yeah. And, you know, and plus this whole thing, lying to the vice president, I mean, I don't think anybody cares. I mean, I don't think anybody would have much cared. I don't think Morning Joe would have been outraged if, uh, you know, somebody had withheld some information from uh, from Joe Biden or something. Like, I mean, they'd say, well, that's the vice president. You know, he's he's there, but he's really just there to help the president. If you lie to the president, that's one thing. But if I had the vice, you know, I can imagine, like, it wouldn't be such a big deal if they weren't trying to keep this guy's seat warm in the presidency. <laughs> Exactly. But, yeah, um, I mean, but that's another thing. This guy, he called the Russians five times that day. Mm-hmm. And then he said, oh, I don't remember if we... No, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about the fact that Trump would ease the sanctions after the, that Obama had put on that very day. We mm-hmm. talked about other things. Why would, you, why would you call the Russians five times in one day <laughs> on the day that the sanctions go into effect or get, get announced? To talk about anything other than the sanctions, sanctions that outgoing President Obama just put on your country. Mm-hmm. What else would you be talking about? Yeah. And then they said, well, you know, we have evidence that that's what you talked about. And it's like, okay, well, I don't remember if I talked about that or not. Well, legally, that's a convenient thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you were, face it, Michael Flynn was doing Trump administration policy. He was not freelancing. Why would he be freelancing? Why would he say something to the Russians that Trump had no intention of doing? Mm-hmm. Well, we already know that, that Trump was, was planning on doing that, because I remember that tweet, like, oh, V. Putin, very smart, always knew it, <laughs> whatever. Like, where, where Trump was like, oh, good, yeah, good job, Putin, wait till I get in there, or whatever. Like, so this is this is his campaign line. This is his, this is the party line that, that he's towing. This isn't Michael Flynn, rogue agent, although, you know, whatever. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's do, like you said, he's doing the administration's business, you know. So, yeah, yeah, and I think any any attempt to obscure that factor to muddy the water is just bad. It's just you know you're you're willfully ignoring something because it's inconvenient for you. It's I mean we're dealing with a you know a criminal administration. Mm-hmm. It's not one guy's problem. It's not this guy did this or that guy did that. It's like this is what the policy of the administration is. So, yeah. Um, and it seems like. You know, it seems like there's a uh, there's a war now going on between the Trump administration and the what some people have called the deep state, right? Mm-hmm. The the part that doesn't change every administration or whatever that sticks around throughout and uh, mm-hmm. has a wild amount of power. And normally that would worry me, I think, but in this case, I you know I hope the deep state wins this time because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it's better than the alternative right now. That's right. And so it seems like Trump's trying to, you know, replace department heads and get control of these agencies as quickly as he can so that he can start, you know, purging them mm-hmm. um, and put in people who aren't going to come after him. So I, I hope that there's enough people in all of these agencies that are going to continue 
mm-hmm. leaking, um, disseminating information, uh, and you know, continue to undermine this guy and tell the truth about what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. You know, it's a dangerous thing. If he gets control of these agencies, that's we still have the media. But after that, I don't know. You know, it's the country will not be in a good place. Yeah. Well, and the and the other thing is, I think that's part of why you're seeing the furious level of leaks that we have seen uh, in just the recent days here, um, in and you know, leaking to the New York Times and uh, that Flynn story when it came out had nine different sources on it that you know were all from. Uh, the intelligence community yeah. confirming that. So yeah. I think it's almost like a fire anonymous, sale at this anonymous point. Sources. Yeah. They, they were all anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Failing, failing New York Times. Yeah. Exactly. Not winning anymore. Leadership <laughs> <laughs> is down, way down. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> wonder they can publish anything at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they've uh <laughs> yeah, they've got I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we've got that flow of information right now. But it's all coming, I think, too little too late. I think a lot of this stuff would have done a lot more good mm-hmm. before, the, before the election ended, you know, mm-hmm. with the FBI putting their hand on the scales against Hillary. And and they, it's, it's you know, we, we've never, I've never been a fan of Hillary too much. Um, but it is remarkably comical. The level of stuff that they with the Anthony Weiner's computer emails oh may have had gosh. some emails yeah. from her or something. When you think about that, and you think about what they were actually sitting on mm-hmm. regarding Trump and Russia and Russian agents mm-hmm. and Russian intelligence people inside America, yeah. Russian government higher ups. Um, it's staggering. Yeah, it's well, you know for them to sit on this mm-hmm. and to peddle the Hillary thing. I mean, Hillary is no saint and. Etc. I mean, you know, point blank. But it's 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 a fucking joke to be sitting on this kind of thing when that's the kind of thing that you're peddling for the public to to consume. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. But so, anyways, yeah. So I think another part that came out over the past few days is that the Trump administration had continuous, constant contact throughout 2016 with. Um, Russian intelligence agencies or agents in America, as far as I know, probably in Russia too, as well as senior <clears throat> government uh, officials in Russia mm-hmm. uh, throughout the campaign. And that's, you know, I, well, that's like what was going on. Can we find out? Mm-hmm. What were they talking about? We need to know these things. Mm-hmm. Um, we already know from what we see, the intelligence agencies are not giving Trump full briefings. They're not sharing all information with them. They told the Israeli intelligence services months ago, don't uh, don't share anything with Trump that you don't want Russia to know about because he's compromised. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and let's don't forget yeah. that that there's other spy agencies in the world besides America's, and I'm sure if the NSA or whoever picked up uh, Flynn's call to the Russian ambassador, which, by the way, how did he not know that was being recorded? But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but there's other intelligence agencies out there with a vested interest in monitoring communications uh, at this high level. So I doubt that if this is going on, that the American intelligence agencies are the only ones that know 
got to be other yeah. leaks that there's going to be, uh, you know, other, other places, you know, other countries have to know this. And yeah, like you said, they're, they're withholding information, uh, which is another dangerous thing to precipitate something bad happening because intelligence sharing has stopped, you know, most of the terror attacks that we've, you know, been able to scuttle uh, since 9-11. So that's, you know, a valuable tool that we don't have anymore. So... Yeah. Well, I, you know, I hope that the other countries would share that information, but I don't have much hope in it because. Well, but why would they? I mean, who's in office? I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they, if they share that information with the American people and then Donald Trump sews up the media, the intelligence, the military and everything else, then they mm-hmm. just made a pretty powerful enemy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's basically, it's on the American intelligence agencies to get this information out. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully it comes out one way or the other, but yeah. <clears throat> so, well, I, I took some notes yesterday uh, in preparation about, and I know I'm going to try to do this in a more natural way, <laughs> about the CNN and the New York Times uh, reports that came out a couple days ago that, yeah, <clears throat> that kind of blew the lid off of the whole, that this has been going on throughout the 2016 campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they say that current and former intelligence agents, law enforcement officials, administration officials, including four current and former administration officials. Um, so some of them are current administration officials have confirmed this. That, and this is from the, uh, the New York Times article, uh, information is being illegal, illegally given uh, by the intelligence community, NSA and FBI. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, anyways, yeah, the stuff is being given. Sorry, it's hard to hard to read and talk and everything. Um, let's see. Trump Trump responded by saying, uh, "Yeah, this, this information is being illegally given uh, by the intelligence community, NSA, and FBI?" Question mark to the failing New York Times and Washington Post, just like Russia. <laughs> and then he said, "This Russian connection nonsense, which he hyphenated, is merely an attempt to cover up." also hyphenated, the many mistakes made in Hillary Clinton's losing campaign. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, Paul, it's, it's probably because it really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody suspected it, and now proof is coming out. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is, it has nothing to do with Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. I don't see how Hillary Clinton would even get to become president right now, so... No. She's out of the picture. Yeah, She's literally in the woods somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were a few caveats to the to the article that I saw that there was no cooperation found so far. They said mm-hmm. so. There doesn't seem to have been direct cooperation. I mean, aside from the fact that Michael Flynn, you know, called them and said, "Don't worry about the sanctions. We're going to do something about that when we come to power." Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty cooperative, I would say. Yeah. Um, they say that the Russians were kind of bragging about their access to Trump. They say they may have been a- exaggerating their access to Trump, but I don't see why would we, we would believe that they were exaggerating at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said that communications of the Russians were already being surveilled. They said they were not surveilling these people because they were trying to target Trump people. They said it just happened that the people that the Trump people were talking to whether they were, you know, Russian intelligence people or Russian ambassadors, were already under American surveillance. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, they said that Trump's 2016 campaign and other Trump associates had repeated contact with senior Russian intelligence officials and other members of the Russian government. Um, this happened, they discovered this around the time that evidence was discovered of the Democratic National Committee leak, or hacks. Um, they mentioned Paul Manafort, Carter Page, Roger Stone, and General Michael Flynn mm-hmm. as the four people who seem to be the most common go-betweens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, Paul Manafort, he was a Trump campaign chairman for several months. Uh, he had worked as a political consultant for the old government of Ukraine under Victor S. Let me see if I can pronounce this. Yanukovych? Yanukovych? I've heard it said Yanukovych. Yanukovych, yeah. <clears throat> um, he began being investigated. Manafort did. Um, in spring of 2016, because he was working for the pro-Russian party of the Ukrainian government. So he was already somewhat being investigated a little bit before all of this. Um, He was the only one who was named in the New York Times article. Um, Let's see, he said, I have never knowingly spoken to Russian intelligence officers it's not like these people wear badges that say I'm a Russian intelligence officer. <laughs> so he's basically saying, I didn't do it knowingly. Again, there's this legal speak that's you know designed to protect yourself from prosecution or conviction. Uh, I never, I, I probably spoke to them, but I didn't do it knowingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't wear badges, so you know I could have talked to them, but they weren't wearing a badge, so I might not have known if I was talking to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he said that in response. Now, on November 10th, two days after the election finished, uh, Deputy Russian Foreign Minister Sergei A. Ryabkov uh, said that there, were, that there were contacts between Russian officials and the Trump campaign. He said, obviously, we know most of the people from his entourage, from Trump's entourage. Um... Later, a Trump spokeswoman at that time, former Trump spokeswoman, Hope Hicks, she said that Rebkov's claims were not accurate. Mm-hmm. So Trump was denying it. Deputy Russian Foreign Minister admitted it. You do the math. Yeah. Well, a lot of those names that you listed off are, are people that, uh, you know, it's no surprise that frequent contacts, at least to uh, me, uh, and I'm sure other people that were paying attention, that, that those were the contacts between uh, Russia and the Trump campaign. I mean, uh, you know, Roger Stone, as, as far as I remember, um, bragged about his access to WikiLeaks and, you know, talked about how he had an in with Assange and, you know, he uh, has already kind of confirmed that. I mean, Carter Page uh, was well-known, his connections. Uh, Paul Manafort, like you were saying, is, is really well-known in that sphere. Uh, so, you know, this is this is plain as, as day. I mean, and, you know, to Hillary's credit, she did try to warn us. So. <laughs> no puppet. Yeah. No puppet. You're the puppet. Yeah. Well, Roger Stone, yeah, maybe not so surprising. From what I understand, he's been kind of a right-wing political operative at least since the Nixon years. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure, I'm not sure about this, but I think he got his start in the Nixon administration. Mm-hmm. And Jim Huber on 
the Young Turks even said, like that he said Roger Stone literally has a tattoo of Nixon's face on his back. Really? He said that's literal. That is so insane. I don't know how he found that out or where he got that information, but apparently that's something that is true, huh. probably. Wow. Um, so he's, you know, he, he loves Nixon. <laughs> and this is also the guy who crashed the Young Turks uh, live stream at mm-hmm. the Republican National Convention along with uh, Info Warrior uh, Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Alex Jones found himself being spat on. So that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people very angry at Jimmy Dore for that. I I thought that was a great moment for Jimmy Dore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a little frustrated with Jimmy Dore's um, new show, honestly, on the, on the channel. I don't know if you've seen that, Aggressive Progressives. Mm. No, I haven't seen that yet. I don't know. I mean, he's right twice a day, basically, but most of the time he's just always bitching about how, oh, you know, you guys, you know, Obama's terrible. You know, Donald Trump's really bad, but you know who's also bad? Obama. <laughs> he's kind of like lashed out at Obama for some reason because Obama was not sufficiently liberal or something, and that makes him the equivalent of Republicans, basically. It's, it's, I, I just can't deal with it. It's like, I'm left-wing and everything, but like this, this false equivalency. Yeah, Obama did some bad things. Obama made some mistakes, but to say that he, you know, I, that he's responsible or that he's the moral equivalent of this clown we have now. Um, Anyways, I yeah. Anyways, that sh- that show has one been one that I've been frustrated with, and I almost wonder because uh, because Jimmy Dore used to be on the main Young Turks show more often. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if he was given his own show so that he would actually be featured as a host on the main show less often because his his thinking was perhaps getting a little bit more conspiratorial mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, also, think, by uh, the way, I'm looking at a picture of Roger Stone's Nixon tattoo on his back. Okay, so that's confirmed, right? Yep. Right, right. right in the middle of his back. Smiling? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In, in the small of his back? Is this a tramp stamp? No, no, it's it's <laughs> between his shoulder blades. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're proud, I guess. Um, Richard Nixon, I mean, like, he was a he was a scumbag, and, I, you know, he was a terrible person and stuff, but I... I, I I have always had to give the guy almost a grudging respect because he was intelligent in a way, right? Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a evil bastard and everything, but he was basically an intelligent man. Mm-hmm. And in the last years of his life, he reached out to the Clintons who had, you know, as, as student activists had been involved in investigating him, I think, and they were very anti, anti Nixon, but he reached out and tried to help them out in the white house and gave them some advice or something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, and I think he, you know, I think he just wanted to feel like he was still in the mix somehow or something. I don't know, but, um, but he was like, I mean, he was a Machiavellian, evil, manipulative, cunning, conniving guy, but, you know, and he made a lot of stupid mistakes and he did a lot of bad things and he had the wrong attitude, but, um, but compared to Trump, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nixon served for several years before he had this scandal. I mean, Donald Trump is like, you know, on inauguration days, practically, he's already being investigated. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, Roger Stone, maybe not too surprising. I guess if anything that's surprising about him is that, that such an unhinged lunatic could be in contact with the Russians. 
uh, the Carter Page guy, honestly, I know almost nothing about him. Mm-hmm. He's like a businessman or something. Uh, what, do you, what do you know? Yeah, about him? I think he. Um, I looked this up yesterday. Um, I think he has something to do with oil and gas uh, people in in that area of the world. Um, Trying to get it up here. Look here. Yeah, he's been kind of a more of a background player. Um, you really haven't seen him on TV too much or or anything, but his name definitely keeps coming up in, in all this. Um, let's see here, Carter Page. Okay, he's an oil industry consultant. Um, he, uh, let's see. Supporter of Putin, um, harshly criticized U.S. policy. Yeah, he apparently mentioned several times in that uh, Christopher Steele dossier. Um, okay. The one, the Christopher Steele dossier that has had several parts of it confirmed to be true now. Yeah, they haven't gotten to everything, but I mean, but with with things like this, from my understanding. You don't always know that everything's 100% true, but what you do is you confirm parts of it and you cross-check it, and the, the more parts that start coming up true, the more credence you lend to the other parts that you can't confirm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I like the way I, I heard it described was kind of like a reporter's notebook. It's like this is you're collecting information. Some of it's kind of contradict itself, but this is kind of a work in progress. You're you're collecting primary sources, and you're still in the process of, of kind of sussing out what's true and kind of putting things up to scrutiny. So um, yeah. there's probably a mix of uh, completely true to not in there. So I I. <laughs> I tend to have uh, radical, um, what's the word, radical, what's the word for believability or when you believe something, radical credulity. Yeah, that's my attitude towards that thing. I, I, I believe until it's all, until it's proven false, I believe it's all true. <laughs> I believe that Donald Trump was being peed on. <laughs> I think that that's absolutely true. There's nothing in his character that would make me think that that's not true. Yeah. I mean, if you said that about George W. Bush, I hate George Bush, but I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not in his character. But with Donald Trump, it's eminently believable. Yeah. So it's not even just like a partisan thing or anything. It's like, <laughs> that's who this guy is. Uh-huh. Exactly. And he's just unhinged enough to do something like that and uncareful enough. Um, we haven't even gotten to this, but uh, I sent you a thing about how his Android phone could be very easily hacked. Um, and, uh, you know, his, apparently his Twitter account is connected to a Gmail account. Um, so imagine if somebody got a hold of his Twitter handle. Although, how would you be able to tell if it was a, somebody, a crazy person, or Donald Trump? I don't know. Um, but that's yeah, the problem. Anything's believable be from that. That could be our, you know, our first chance. Yeah, he's saying something. Saying he must be, he must be hacked. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and, like, he's, like, I don't know if you saw this, but when the Japanese prime minister was at Mar-a-Lago, uh, they got a report about the North Korean missile test. Uh, and he just took this report yeah. at dinner, and there were people were like pointing their phones at it, and, like, it's like, well, I guess everyone knows now. How, first of all, how many spies are just, like, kind of lurking around serving drinks or whatever? Um, secondly, you know, when, when people were, like, the, one of the reporters that, uh, 
broke the Edward Snowden story, uh, pointed this out. He's like, look, when I interviewed Edward Snowden, we had to put our phones in the freezer of the of the refrigerator because he was saying that you know the microphone could be switched on and used to monitor what you're saying or the camera or whatever. And and you know people are just pointing their phones like to at this intelligence so they can like see it because it's dark. And it's like if anybody <laughs> if anybody's compromised, it's over. Everyone knows everything now. And you know they had another thing where uh, he had a classified. I don't. I didn't know this, but apparently there's these bags that have classified information in them that have key locks on them. And and Trump is sitting on his desk, or not? He said no. He, Trump's not sitting on his desk, but it's sitting on Trump's desk with the key still in it. And there's like classified materials on the desk with the key still in it. And there's all sorts of unsecured people walking around. And it's like, dude, tell me again about Hillary's emails. Tell me again about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hypocrisy, I think that's what we talked about before. Hypocrisy doesn't matter anymore. I mean, hypocrisy matters to, Repub- to Democrats. It doesn't matter to Republicans. You can say, but, oh, but, you know, but six months ago, you were complaining about Hillary being uncareful with uh, classified information. Now Trump did it. Aha, I've got you. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. It's like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's like the hypocrisy, there's, there's no, hypocrisy is not the weapon that will be used to defeat Donald Trump. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, what is this guy's name? Richard DeAgazio. Mm-hmm. He's like some sort of a businessman or something, and he was the one who was, he was one of the many people at Mar-a-Lago taking photos during the crisis where one headline said that Donald Trump had basically turned Mar-a-Lago's dining room into his own personal situation room in public. And, um, yeah, this guy, I mean, he took a picture with himself, of himself with the guy named Rick. And he says Rick is the man. He's the guy who carries the nuclear football for Donald Trump everywhere. It's like, great, now we all know that guy's name. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you, I bet that guy's not working there anymore. They're like, no, you're off the football. <laughs> you, people know who you are now. <laughs> they can blackmail you. They could assassinate you. They could, you know, you, yeah, you, you've exposed yourself. You're probably gone. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why this guy was, I, I don't know why, I, I would think that if you're in proximity, like when you're in, if you're ever in proximity to a celebrity or anything like that, or any kind of a high level person or something, like there are usually safeguards around so that you can't take pictures. Like when I go to teach at certain companies in South Korea, um, when I go in the front door, from day one until six months later, however long I'm teaching there, every time I go in the door, I, have to, I stop at the front desk and they put some tape over the front and back camera on my phone hmm. because I, I don't do anything. I mean, I go straight to the office of the person that I'm teaching, whoever that is, and stuff, and then I leave and I go out. Sometimes maybe I go to the bathroom or something, but I'm not like in their building somewhere, like going around taking pictures of their trade secrets or something, but they just have this, this protocol. <laughs> So, and this is just a, you know, this is just, you know, these are just electronics companies in South Korea protecting their trade secrets. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't imagine being in the vicinity, in the same dining room as the president of the United States of America and the, you know, prime minister of Japan and their entire entourage. And I'm sitting there with my cell phone, getting it out, taking pictures, having Trump smile for the camera, literally at one point. Uh, I did, I can't imagine it. You know, it's unfathomable. Mm-hmm. 
And this Diagazio guy said something. At one point, he said something like, um, you know, Donald Trump is like a man of the people or something, right? Because he's there in public conducting his business. I'm like, no. <laughs> you have to pay something like $200,000 to become a member of Mar-a-Lago? Yeah, it used to be 100000 It recently doubled. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, he wants to make more money. Yeah. His, you know, people paying to have proximity to him, including, as I mentioned, potential spies and foreign agents. Um, because, I mean, for, 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 for an entire country, I mean, for an individual, yeah, $200,000 is a hell of a lot of money. Uh, maybe for some rich people it's not, but I mean, if you're a foreign government and you would like to be in proximity a couple times a year to the president in a place where he clearly conducts business in the open, mm-hmm. $200,000 is like a, you know, it's nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. Do it in a second. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this guy is, yeah. And people have said that when they were pointing the phone flashlight function at the important documents about North Korea's missile launch, they said that if any of those phones had been hacked, then basically they're pointing a video camera. Yeah, exactly. Which is attached to the, the, the light directly at top secret documents, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a mockery of the whole Hillary Clinton's email thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that was something. And then, you know, Donald Trump's, I, I don't know what his plan for North Korea is, but North Korea is doing that and he's responding this way. And, you know, Kim Jong-un is watching this. He's saying, oh, well, this is, I created a crisis. I tested the new administration early in their tenure, and this is what they did. They mishandled it. They didn't handle it correctly. There was mm-hmm. a scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just a couple of days ago, Kim Jong-nam, uh, Kim Jong-un's half older half-brother, mm-hmm. was assassinated in an airport. Uh, now, is um, this the one that was disowned for going to Disneyland? Yeah, that's the official thing. Um, that's the official reason they say yeah, he tried to sneak into Japan. He was stopped at the border with a passport from somewhere else, not North Korea. And they asked him, what the hell are you doing in Japan? And he said, I wanted to go to Disneyland with my kids or something. And I don't know why that changed things. Um, also, I forget who, like... Kim Jong-il, I mean, all these North Korean leaders have like a million wives and a million mistresses and stuff like that, and et cetera. Um, and I, I forget, that, like, this is Kim Jong-un's half-brother, and I forget if Kim Jong-nam's mother was, um, I think I heard that his mother had been married before, but Kim Jong-il liked her, and so he forced her to get a divorce from her current husband at that time, and then he married her, but she was not his official wife or something. I, it, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's you know, entirely confusing to try to map out the family in that country. But um, So I, I don't know how, like, strong his claim to legitimacy. I mean, I think he was preferred to be the, the, the next one in line to the throne for some time. Mm-hmm. But at some point, for some reason, he lost that, and Kim Jong-un got it. And <clears throat> I think that Kim Jong-un had criticized the regime, um, human rights, which is obviously a no-no. And also, I think that at some point, he had said that his brother was not giving him enough money. Um, he should give him more money or something. And then he realized later that, oh, that probably, you know puts me in danger. <clears throat> so, yeah, we still don't know what happened there exactly, but it seems like 
I mean, the the obvious thing is that it was probably a North Korean assassination squad. But it seems confusing because I think like one of the women was Indonesian or something, maybe not Indonesian, I forget which one. The other one was Vietnamese or something, or they had Vietnamese passports with Vietnamese names. Mm-hmm. And then like, so was this a North Korean who had immigrated into Vietnam? Was this just a North Korean carrying Vietnamese papers? Or, or, or you know... We don't know. We don't know yet, basically. So I need to continue to follow this story. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty crazy story. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, but these are you know these are the things. These are the things that are going on in the world, while this guy fights a million scandals, bitches and moans about the New York Times and CNN and tries to figure out how to run the country and how all the levers of power works and how to undermine his domestic enemies. I mean, this is what's going this is just one example of what's going on in the world while he's trying to figure it all out in Washington DC. <clears throat> you know, it's and as somebody who lives in South Korea where, you know, where there's a huge risk if things get bad. I mean, like you know, I'm not in America, so I'm not like domestically um you know, as involved, I, I mean, I'm domestically involved in that. I read the news every day, probably more so than most Americans do. <laughs> but I'm not there, you know, living it firsthand. But I'm, you know, I'm watching and seeing what happens. But at the same time, I'm in a place that will be and can be and is affected by Trump's presidency as well. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yep. Anyways, yeah, totally mishandling North Korea, I think, and. Mm. Who knows what's going to happen next with that? Yeah, and you've got people in the White House like, uh, you know, Bannon, who are practically spoiling for a fight with somebody. And, you know, I'm sure China's just as good as anybody. Um, Although it was interesting, uh, you know, of course, there was the controversy before the inauguration where Trump called the Taiwanese prime minister. Um, But then apparently reverse course just a few days ago on the one China policy. Um, and now people are saying that maybe that had to do with a uh, trademark uh, gift from the Chinese government to the Trump organization. Maybe connections there. Um, so who knows? I'm not entirely sure of, of the whole situation, but it does seem like a, a reversal in course has taken place. But but there's just that's the problem. There's just so many warring factions here. It's like the will the business interest win over the apocalyptic alt right vision of America and the world or will, you know, Rince Priebus and Mike Pence pull some, you know, centrism or something or who knows, like there's just no clear leader because Trump's so vapid you know, everyone's trying to find a way to, so that all of them win together (laughs) maybe this will have a happy ending yeah, right, I'm sure (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah, the uh, I mean the the separation of Trump's business interests from the government continues to be a total farce mm-hmm. um, with the Kelly and Conway endorsing of uh, Ivana Trump's uh, Ivanka Trump's uh, line of women's clothing or whatever fashion stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> and you know, complaining about Nordstrom's canceling the order, canceling the business there, and she goes on TV and says, you know, this is an advertisement. Uh, buy her stuff. <clears throat> you know, they stopped carrying it for partisan reasons, so I want you to go out and buy it. It's like... Kellyanne, good morning to you. 
Good morning. Hey, uh, we had Ed Henry on about a half an hour ago, and he said there could be, you know, there's some rumblings in Washington that there could be something happening. Sean Spicer, communications director, stuff like that. What's the truth? The truth is Sean Spicer is our press secretary and will continue to be. He has the president's ear and his full confidence. I'm in there every day meeting with them on any range of issues before Sean's press briefing. And uh, we have a communications director in Sean Spicer also. I mean, this man has been doing two jobs. He's wearing and these two are hats. These are two separate jobs. Though. I mean, communications director is more the visionary, the planner, somebody who can block out how does this look when the president or the vice president goes somewhere out in the country to sign an executive order or to meet with individual job creators or go to the Dakota Pipeline, for example, at some point. How does it look? Who are the other messengers? What, what are the visuals? And the communications director is very different in that regard because it's a sort of a visionary, not necessarily somebody who goes on TV, maybe, maybe not, uh, traditionally. But in the press secretary, you see what that individual does each day. Those are both um, huge comes jobs. They're both, They're both big huge jobs. jobs and, and good for Sean Spicer. You know, he's yeah. been willing to take them both on. Uh, but it's, it, these are very big jobs, and he has, I think he's doing an excellent job, frankly, as both. But if he can get, if we can get additional help for communications, I think that would uh, alleviate some of the the, the yep. idea that this man is doing two jobs. But yep. he's so got he the full faith and confidence of the president. These reports are completely false. I've talked to the president, what? I've talked to Sean well, Spicer, and they're just false. Well, for, first off, there's two jobs there. You want one of they got to be filled by two different people. That's right. How, and the word is that you offer the communication director job to a number of people, and they've all said no. How true is that? That is completely false also. I, I know people who are interested in the job, actually, mm -hmm. as I stand here. They've reached out to us. Uh, and and I, th I think that we'll be either interviewing or deciding okay. what to do in that regard. But, but look, this is, I think communications is important to any president of the United States. That's an obvious point. But to this president, it's exceptionally important because he's a TV expert himself. He had the number one show on NBC when The Apprentice uh, came out. He is, I've been in the room with him many times when he's about to do a TV hit or record something at length. And he knows right away the camera angles, yep. the visuals. Yep. I mean, that's just, that's who he uh, is. I remember walking into the locker room at a rundown gym in Scranton, and the first thing he did is adjust my lights. And he goes, I'm going to make you look better too. Mm -hmm. Just give me a second. Mm -hmm. He physically picked up yeah. the lights and, and worked with them. So I get it. Having said that, in the big picture, I did hear that he does watch a lot of shows. We know that. I did hear he was upset, by the way, Sean Spicer was portrayed on SNL. And the fact that he didn't text afterwards shows he's upset by it. Well, the president is very protective of us, and we're, we've been a small team all along in the campaign and through the RNC, and he ends up being very protective of us. Those trying to divide and conquer us, it actually has the opposite effect, where we, we get a little bit tighter and yep. closer, if that's even possible. And so there's that. Uh, secondly, he, he, doesn't, he thinks that people are treated unfairly. Uh, by and large, and he just wants to get his message yeah. out in a way that's fair and and full and complete. He's mm -hmm. loyal, um, this, you know that. Well, and he's got he is he's very he's exceptionally sure. loyal, and we are exceptionally loyal to him. It's why we're here. I mean, look, we're here whether it's Sean, me, Ryan's, others. We're here to serve the president, and the president is here to serve people. All right, Kelly, and it's very linear. He tweeted this morning, but before we read the tweet, I just want to tell the folks at home a little background on this. You have Senator Richard Blumenthal, and he was having a private conversation with Judge uh, Neil Gorsuch, Gorsuch, Neil Gorsuch, and he. Said says that Neil Gorsuch told him that he was disheartened by the president's comments 
about the judges. And demoralized, and then Richard Blumenthal described it as uh, Trump's abhorrent comments. And then abhorrent and demoralizing and disheartening got part of the mix, but in fact, uh, Mr. Gor uh, Mr. Uh, Gorsuch never mentioned abhorrent. And okay, so then so you're... Then so your then, boss today tweeted Exactly, this. and this is what he, he tweeted out. He said, Senator Richard Blumenthal, who never fought in Vietnam when he said for years that he had, major lie, now misrepresents what Judge Gorsuch told him. So what, what is he saying there at the White House about this? Well, he's saying that the judge has been misrepresented and some of his comments have been distorted, but also probably that you don't reveal a private conversation, even if it means you could be on cable TV 24-7. And I think this is the president's way of reminding everybody, in his view anyway, that uh, Senator Blumenthal has had a credibility problem of his own. We know that gets glossed over. I remember a couple of years ago when he was running for re-election. He's done that many times. He's been a lifelong politician, frankly, mm -hmm. and a very wealthy man, uh, Senator Blumenthal. He is somebody who said he fought in Vietnam and he meant to say he fought he was he was enlisted during Vietnam so it's just a matter of a word that happens to some of us sometimes but in the case of Senator Blumenthal it didn't get that much coverage so perhaps the president is trying to uh, maybe make everybody see the credibility of Senator Blumenthal as well as he's out there representing the judges conversation but look I go back to one other thing uh, two things. One, and quickly, one is, remember during the confirmation hearings for other still unconfirmed nominees, that the president said at some point that his, he's very comfortable with his nominees expressing their own points of view. He mm -hmm. said that when, when these folks were being grilled by the Democratic senators who end up voting for the, against them anyway, for no good reason except politics, he, he said, I want them to express their own independent views. So he's, the president is very comfortable with that. Number two, what about when President Obama tried to shame the Supreme Court in front of the world at the State of the Union address after the Citizens sure. United decision? You had Justice Alito literally shaking his head because it was just such a shocking thing to have a sitting president with the Supreme Court right in front of him, uh, scolding them for an opinion that they talk about not having a, an independent judiciary, talk about interfering mm -hmm. in different branches of government. But this is a different standard because it's a different standard applied to us in the Trump administration. But, but I'm glad that he said that, and we have full faith and confidence in Judge Gorsuch. We so know he's his not academic in the credentials, house. his judicial qualifications. Right. Of course not. The, the president is very fully confident in the nominee. Um, by the way, those Democrats preening around about what Judge, what Judge Gorsuch said, it really is beside the point. All they care about is who he is on Roe versus Wade. So I'm not even sure right. why they're and raising this. Just real quick before we talk about Ibaka and what she's going through now, I want to just ask you, did the president pick up the phone or did the judge pick up the phone or did they speak yesterday <clears throat> after uh, Senator Blumenthal came out with his comments? Um, I'm not going to comment on that. I could just tell you that the president is fully confident in Judge Gorsuch. Okay. Um, and, and he's fully confident. I mean, look at this. Look at this new polling data from Morning Consult. This is pretty cool. Look at the, on the blue is how much people support what the president is doing. X, the Keystone man. XL. Oh, Affordable Care Act, Sanctuary Cities, uh, seven predominant countries from entering the U.S. I mean, this is what matters the most because America is paying attention to the way he's communicating and connecting with them on the substance. Right. Sure. So. Go to, so go to Politico. It's a Politico morning consult poll if you want yes. to get the details on that. And a yes. Quinnipiac poll shows that 91% uh, of Republicans love Donald Trump. They do. Basically, basically, because he keeps his promises. Everybody's just shocked mm. that right, well, a businessman is about accountability and deliver. But you asked about Ivanka. I visited yeah. with her yesterday. You know, this is a very successful businesswoman twice. Obviously, she has, she's stepped away from it now, but in the past, she's helped to run her family's a real estate empire. And, and, and on the side, she developed another fully, uh, unbelievably entrepreneurial, wildly successful business that bears her name. 
And I think she's gone from 800 stores to 1,000 stores or 1,000 places where you can buy. You can certainly buy her goods online. And she's just at a very good place. She's an incredibly confident, creative, talented woman who also supports her father's presidency and realizes that there are bigger issues that he's going to tackle. And if she decides and it works for her family, she comes inside the White House here. She knows people like Dina Palomino will be working with her to help yeah. on women empowerment, women and girls. I do find it ironic that you've got some executives all over the internet bragging about what they've done to her and her line, and yet, yet they're using the most prominent woman in uh, in Donald Trump's uh, you know most prominent his daughter and and they're using her who's been a champion for women empowerment sure. women in the workplace uh, to get to him Just, so I think uh, people can see through that go seconds. buy Ivanka's stuff is what I would say I'm gonna I'm well, gonna go, I there, hate shopping that, I'm gonna go get some on myself today there is that hashtag buy Ivanka right now but there is that hashtag grab your wallet is that behind some of this stuff. Well, some of it is, and we know where that came from, and that's been a, a huge failure. The good, goodness, they had a whole election. They had the first female president, everybody thought, talking about that day and night. She had no message, no positive message. That was her message. That failed at the ballot box. And then they had a march saying the same thing the mm -hmm. day after he was sworn in as president. They're welcome to march, but what's coming of it in terms of, you know, commercial interest? She's... This is just, it's a wonderful line. I own some of it. I fully, I'm going to just give it, I'm going to give a free okay. commercial here. Go buy it today, everybody. You can <laughs> right. find it online. All right. Um, Kellyanne Conway from the briefing room. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you very Kelly. much. Okay, that's illegal. And uh, and this is the stuff, this is the stuff that people complained about before the election. They said, how is this guy going to separate his, his business interests from his government? He said, oh, totally. I'm going to 100% be for the government. It's not going to be about my businesses. <clears throat> and now here we are, you know. The White House press spokeswoman is, uh, or I don't know what her actual title is anymore. Uh, counselor to the I, president. I, and I wonder how long she'll retain that, mm -hmm. considering that she just got banned by Morning Joe by Nico Brzezinski the other day. <clears throat> so if, you know, if uh, many news organizations start blackballing her, then she may not be able to carry on in this position. Apparently Trump stopped following her on Twitter, too. Yeah. So. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, that that bitch! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I know, right? This is some mean girl stuff Don't right here. Stop following. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't. I. I don't even. Bre know bre breaking news: Kellyanne can't sit at lunch, <laughs> the lunch table with Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a she's a long time in Korea, long time kind of outcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I, I but I think that's another strategy that the media and that you know the intelligence community and probably Democrats have too is get Trump to have to fire, you know, make him have to fire as many people in his in his administration as you can. I, I'm sure for the Republicans they'd be thrilled if they could replace him with somebody more pliable to regular Republican interests. But mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to take the best people. I've got the best people. We're going to you know, yeah, administration, yeah. Like, and, you know, already one of them has been fired or resigned, depending on if you're listening to Kellyanne Conway or Sean Spicer or a uh, frequent guest of the Rob Burgess podcast, Sean Spicer, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I tell you what, Bob, I listened to your last podcast with Sean Spicer, and you really got to start holding his feet to the fire about the stuff he does in the administration, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got to start uh, really uh, getting on him about his fashion sense, too, because those suits are ill-fitting. 
<laughs> yeah. So next time you talk to Sean Spicer, I'm going to be listening for that. Okay. Well, we'll have another one for sure. <laughs> He's got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell him, tell him Chacha has questions. <laughs> this, is a, this is a Rob Burgess podcast inside joke, I guess. There is another frequent guest, Sean Spicer. Who is not the same same Sean Spicer um, that Trump employed? Yeah, although it's funny, our last podcast came out the day before uh, Sean Spicer's first press conference, where he like screamed at the media uh, about the inauguration crowd sizes uh, and and said the famous uh, line, uh, "This was the biggest inauguration crowd to watch ever." Period. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, thank you guys for coming. I know our fish, first official press briefing is going to be on Monday, but I wanted to give you a few updates on the president's activities. Uh, but before I get to the news of the day, I think I'd like to discuss a little bit of the coverage of the past 24 hours. Yesterday, at a time when our nation and the world was watching the peaceful transition of power, and as the president said, the transition and the balance of power from Washington to the citizens of the United States, member, some members of the media were engaged in deliberately false reporting. For all the talk about the proper use of Twitter, two instances yesterday stand out. One was a particularly egregious example in which a reporter falsely tweeted out that the bust of Martin Luther King Jr. had been removed from the Oval Office. After it was pointed out that this was just plain wrong, the reporter casually reported and tweeted out and tried to claim that a Secret Service must, agent must have just been standing in front of it. This was irresponsible and reckless. Secondly, photographs of the inaugural proceedings were intentionally framed in a way in one particular tweet to minimize the enormous support that had gathered on the National Mall. This was the first time in our nation's history that floor coverings have been used to protect the grass in the mall. That had the effect of highlighting any areas where people were not standing, while in years past, the grass eliminated this visual. This was also the first time that fencing and magnetometers went as far back on the wall preventing hundreds of thousands of people from being able to access the mall as quickly as they had in inaugurations past. Inaccurate numbers involving crowd size were also tweeted. No one had numbers because the National Park Service, which controls the National Mall, does not put any out. By the way, this applies to any attempts to try to count the number of protesters today in the same fashion. We do know a few things, so let's go through the facts. We know that from the platform, where the president was sworn into 4th Street holds about 250,000 people. From 4th Street to the media tent is about another 220,000. And from the media tent to the Washington Monument, another, another 250,000 people. All of this space was full when the president took the oath of office. We know that 420,000 people used the DC Metro public transit yesterday, which actually compares to 317,000 that used it for President Obama's last inaugural. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period, both in person and around the globe. Even the New York Times printed a, photo a photograph showing the, that a, a misrepresentation of the crowd in the original tweet in their paper, which showed the full extent of the support, depth, and crowd and intensity that existed. These attempts to lessen the enthusiasm of the inauguration are shameful and wrong. The president was also at the central, as you know, the president was at the Central Intelligence Agency today and greeted by a raucous overflow crowd of some 400 plus CIA employees. There were over a thousand requests to attend, prompting the president to note that he'll have to come back to greet the rest. 
The employees were ecstatic that he's the new commander-in-chief, and he delivered them an powerful and important message. He told them he has their back, and they were grateful for that. They gave him a five-minute standing ovation at the end in a display of their patriotism and their enthusiasm for his presidency. I'd also note that it's a shame that the CIA didn't have a CIA director to be with him today when he visited because the Democrats have chosen, Senate Democrats are stalling the nomination of Mike Pompeo and playing politics with national security. That's what you guys should be writing and covering. That this, instead of sowing division about tweets and, and false narratives, the president is committed to unifying our country and that was the focus of his inaugural address. This kind of dishonesty in the media, the challenging that bringing about our nation together is making it more difficult. There's been a lot of talk in the media about the responsibility to hold Donald Trump accountable. And I'm here to tell you that it goes two ways. We're going to hold the press accountable as well. The American people deserve, and as long, uh, deserve better, and as long as he serves as the messenger for this incredible movement, he will take his message directly to the American people where his focus will always be. And with that, a few other updates from the day. The president had a constructive conversation with Prime Minister Trudeau of Canada about strengthening the relationship between our two nations. They also discussed setting up additional meetings in the days to come, which we will follow up on. Uh, he also spoke to Prime Minister Peña Nieto of Mexico and talked about a visit uh, on trade, immigration, and security that will occur on the 31st. The president has, will welcome his first foreign leader this Thursday when the United Kingdom's Theresa May will come uh, to Washington on Friday. On uh, tomorrow, the president will oversee his assistance to the president being sworn in. He will then, uh, the staff will then have an ethics briefing and be uh, a briefing on the proper use and handling of classified information. Um, further updates uh, as far as what he will do. Oh, and then in the evening, he will have a reception for law enforcement and first responders that helped uh, support the inauguration. Thank you guys for being here tonight. I will see you on Monday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally unhinged. And I mean, half, half of Sean Spicer's problems are probably because Donald Trump makes him say stupid stuff. Uh -huh. You know, Donald Trump can talk like Donald Trump. Nobody else can talk like Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. So when you try to get, like, spokespeople to go out and do it for you, it's going to come across half-assed. Have you watched the uh, the Saturday Night Live uh, clips of uh, Spicy? Oh, uh, with Melissa McCarthy? Yeah. We now go live to the Daily White House press briefing with Press Secretary Sean Spicer.
3 p.m., President Trump is going to meet with the leader from Central Asia, President... Oh, boy. Um... Almaz... Almaz Bek Atamad Yemedbeg. Okay, to discuss the unrest in Kahagastan. Specifically in... So, write that. And they will be joined by his wife. Uh, I'm just going to pass on that one. Uh, you know what? Let's just call her Connie. Right? Okay, did that. Now I'm going to open it up for questions, and I'm going to probably freak... If you start asking stupid ones, speaking of freaks and stupid ones, Glenn Thrush, New York Times, stupid hat, go! Look, I just wanted to know what the president intends to do now that the appeals court denied your request to stop the travel ban. <sighs> You're testing me, big guy. Uh, look, it's simple. If the appeals court won't do what's right, President Trump will see them in court, specifically the people's court. That isn't real. No, that isn't real. Oh, oh, I'm Glenn, and I'm not really. It is real, Glenn. It says that right before East Case, Glenn. It says the cases are real. The rulings are final. God, don't F with me, Glenn. Next question. This turkey. Uh, the president has said there should be a test to see if immigrants truly love America. What would that test even be? Uh, it's easy. It's extreme vetting. Extreme vetting. Uh, but what does that mean, extreme vetting? What does it mean? It means it's extreme. Okay, you know what? Spicy's gonna explain it so you dumb babies can understand it. So I guess I can't use my big words. I'm gonna have to use my dollies. All right, you ready for dollies? You can understand what's going on? Here's how it's gonna go down. You've got your TSA agent right here, okay? And first you got Barbie coming in. Nice American girl, back from a dream vacation. We know she's okay because she's blonde. So she gets in. Easy, we understand that, perfect. Now who's up next? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, it's Moana. And then we're going to pat her down. And then we're going to read her emails. And if we don't like the answers, which we won't, boom, Guantanamo Bay. All right, let's go. Next question. Yes. Yes, earlier this week, you said there was a terrorist attack in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said that wrong when I said it. And then you wrote it, which makes you wrong. Because when I say something wrong, you guys should know what it is I'm meaning. Wrong or right, you're wrong. And that's why you're here. Obviously, I meant Orlanta. Orlando. Okay? Look, the problem is all these terrorist inf instances and incidents that you're not reporting on. Okay, I have a whole list here of acts that you guys never even write about. Never covered them once. Let's read from the list. Okay, the Bowling Green Massacre. Okay, not the Kellyanne one, the real one. Okay, the Horror at Six Flags. The Slaughter at Fraggle Rock. 
then there was some light terrorism this week when Nordstrom's decided to stop selling Ivanka Trump's line of clothing and accessories. Okay, and that's Nordstrom's loss because these are high, high quality products. In fact, I'm wearing one of her bangles right now. It's beautiful, it's shimmery, it's elegant, and at $39.99, it is an unbelievably affordable. Okay? And don't even get me started on her shoes. Because these babies are real head turner. Okay, now we have a brand new attorney general, and everyone is very excited about him, and he's gonna answer some questions as well as here we go. Yeah, Jeff Sessions! Thank you so much. I do want to say I appreciate uh, the uh, fierce debate surrounding my nomination. Uh, Elizabeth Warren came at me like a porcupine. Uh, but then my friend Mitch McConnell swooped in like an alligator, bite a head off. The uh, whole thing felt like a nature special. Uh, so we all know there are two kinds of crime, regular and black. who's going to bring back law and order because places like Chicago, the murder rate is over 80%. 80% of the people in Chicago have been murdered and are dead. And that's Yun Yu. You did that. Yeah, okay. You know what? I'm looking at the real numbers here, and they directly contradict everything. <laughs> Just mentally, though, are you okay? Are you kidding me? Are you okay? on C-SPAN, the Daily White House Press Briefing with Press Secretary Sean Spicer.
I'm here to swallow gum, and I'm here to take Nate. TV today when he entered the room the crowd greeted him with a standing ovation which lasted a full 15 minutes and you can check the tape on that everyone was smiling everyone was happy the men all had erections and every single one of the women was ovulating left and right and no one no one was sad Okay, those are the facts forever, and there's something else. We got something X, three, four, capital T, capital P, eight, four. Hang on, wait a minute, that's my email password. Forget that one. All right, nobody write that, stop writing that down. Now, under the president's schedule for today, at 345, the president will host an encore screening of Finding Dory. Okay, the story of a forgetful fish, okay? Everybody likes that. Then at 6 p.m. he's gonna abolish the national park system. But Dory! Good stuff. Okay, so if nobody has any questions. Okay, we'll do a couple questions. Go, Glenn Thrush, New York Times, boo, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the travel ban on Muslims. Yeah, it's not a ban. I'm sorry? It's not a ban. The travel ban is not a ban, which makes it not a ban. But you just called it a ban. Because I'm using your words. You said ban. You said ban. Now I'm saying it. The back president to you. tweeted, and I quote, yeah. if the ban were announced with a one week notice. Yeah, exactly. You just said that. He's quoting you. It's your words. He's using your words. When you use the words and he uses them back, it's circular using of the word, and that's from you. this right out of the gate, Glenn? I mean, what do you want me to take my nuts out so you can get a better kick at him? Okay, you had to have known that I would ask that question. Okay, uh, sit down, Glenn. Who here, just by show of hands, who here hates Glenn? Right? Everybody? One, two, three, infinity? Now, see, let the record show that everyone raised their hands because everybody hates Glenn. So print that. That's your story. Next question, go. Uh, yeah, I would like to ask about Steve Bannon's role in the National Security Council. Yeah, that's a dumb question. That's a stupid question. <laughs> Sit down, Glenn. My name is not Glenn. I know your names. I'm just saying Glenn, like in a general Glenn. It's, it's your word. It's your word. Next, go. Yeah, I'm also concerned about Steve Bannon. A lot of people are saying he's the one behind this Muslim ban. Yeah, all right, you guys. You guys still aren't, aren't getting it. Uh, well, you need, you need some props? My word's too big, I gotta show you in pictures? Great, okay, here we go. When it comes to these decisions, the Constitution gives our president lots of power, and Steve Bannon is the key advisor. Okay? And our president will not be deterred. In his fight 
Does anybody else have any questions? Um, yeah, a Wall Street Journal. Are, are you okay? Come on. about Betsy Devos, okay, our nominee for Secretary of Education. So we have actually have her here today to field some few, few field simple questions, which I'm sure she's capable of doing. Betsy! Uh, hi. Um, I don't think we ever got a clear answer on this. How do you value growth versus proficiency in measuring progress in students? Okay. Well, yes, I, I, don't, um, I don't know anything about school, but I, I do think there should be a school, probably Jesus School, and uh, I do think it should have walls and roof and gun for potential grizzly. Thank you. Betsy, that's enough for now. Thank you. Uh, I'll accept one last question. Yeah, I'll take this loser. Yes, uh, I got a question about the statement the White House released on Holocaust Remembrance Day. Do you think it was anti-Semitic to not even mention the Jewish people in the statement? What are you doing? that filthy lion mouth. <laughs> First of all, how could the statement, the statement be anti-Semitic? The guy who wrote it was super Jewy. Okay? And the fact is, a lot of different people suffered in the Holocaust. It wasn't just the Jews. It was also the gypsies, the lesbies, and the gather guys. That's your word. Your word. It's enough for today. Spicy's uh, gonna go bye-bye right now. I need a big boy nap. And I will be woken up exactly one minute before tomorrow's press concert and live from New York at Saturday night. Um, yeah, that already happened. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, frankly, I think that, um, what's his name, uh, what's his name, uh, plays, uh, plays Trump. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin has been kind of like, it's not the best Trump impression I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. You know, frankly, I think Alec Baldwin is a little bit too low energy for Trump. He comes out there and he's got that kind of dour look on his face and stuff. And he like opens his mouth in a disgusting way, just like Trump does. But mm -hmm. he's too like subdued. And Donald Trump is anything if subdued, right? Mm -hmm. um, is nothing. Oh, wait, how's that guy? I may have messed that up anyways. Uh, no, um, he's yeah, nothing if uh, nothing if not. No wait. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I know what you're saying. You, you fool us. You fool us once. <laughs> Shame on you. You fool us twice. You can't get fooled twice. <laughs> you can't, you can't <laughs> get fooled again. <laughs> yeah. No. 
It's an, it's an old saying so, in Texas. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's in Tennessee. I think it's in Tennessee. I'm probably in Texas too. I know it's in Texas. Maybe in I, I wish I could remember exactly how that quote went. But yeah. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, "Fool me once, shame on, shame on you." It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. <laughs> looking, looking like a goddamn Nymphal scholar at this point. <laughs> yeah, who knew that we would look back on on the Bush administration as the paragon of of class and civility? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess never, never, never overestimate the Republicans. They can always get worse, I guess. That's the message. Yeah. Well, to bring it back to this Russia thing, um, you know, I don't understand why the Republicans aren't more skeptical about this or why they think that Russia is going to continue to be on their side. Like, it doesn't seem like the Russians have any particular affinity for the Republican Party. It's just that, you know, it serves their interests this time around that this guy get in. It doesn't, there's no guarantee that next time or the time after that, or the time after that, uh, you know, they're going to come down on your side because we haven't done anything to address the hacking of the most recent election or ensure it doesn't happen again. So it's not like it's not like this is the first and last and only time. It's just the beginning, you know. So why would you try to straddle that line? I don't get it. I think the Republicans are in denial about the Russia thing. Hmm. I think they're actually in denial about it. I don't think that they've allowed themselves to recognize the extent to which, they were, because it's a partisan issue, right? Well, the Democrats say the Russians did it, but that's just, you know, that's, that's, that's sour grapes from Hillary Clinton's camp. That's all that is, you know? I don't think that they've really grappled with the issue that, yes, Russia did this, and yes, there are some very, very damning implications to that, I think, for all of us. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, now, now you know, Russia's trying the same thing with, uh, you know, the French election, the German election, you know, Andrew Merkel. We need you in there. <laughs> you're, you're the leader of the free world now. We need you. From what I understand, she's gotten a lot of, a lot of uh, blowback from the quite generous immigration policy of Germany and stuff with some of the incidents that have happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was like a mass groping and sexual assault a thon or something that happened like last New Year's office. Yeah, although I heard that, that I just heard recently that that was maybe over uh, inflated or something. Um, yeah, actually, I guess I've heard like, I've seen headlines like that too. I haven't read the article. Yeah, I haven't read that either. <laughs> but, yeah, but those kind of stories and stuff. I mean, those maybe fake news. Fake, fake news. news, yeah, obviously fake, fake news. news. Yep. Except for the leaks, I which mean, are real, and we're going to get to the bottom of those. <laughs> Yeah. And Donald Trump, I mean, that's another thing. He says that the leaks are illegal. They're leaking information. Mm-hmm. But then he says it's fake. But if it's he fake, says, oh, who cares? <laughs> like... <laughs> if it's fake, they're not leaking it. They're making it up. Yeah. If they're leaking it, then it's real information that's being leaked. And another thing is, you know, back when, you know, Hillary Clinton was going through this, the hacks and stuff, the DNC was having the hacks and stuff, you know, an argument was being made. I don't know if Trump made it. But the argument was made that it didn't matter where the information was coming from. It just mattered what the information that it was true, right? Uh-huh. And I think Donald Trump never said, certainly never said anything against that. I imagine he embraced that philosophy. Uh-huh. 
but now, of course, hypocritically, he's taking the opposite thing that, you know, it doesn't matter if this stuff's true or not. It's just the fact that they're leaking it. That's the problem. Literally, that's what he said. The problem is they're legally leaking, and that's the issue here. Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot like Hillary Clinton and the DNC <laughs> during the primary. Yeah. Well, and, and lest yeah. we forget that the famous, you know, quote from the, whatever campaign uh, stop he was at, where he was like, Russia, if you're listening, remember that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, how, how, how soon we forget that he directly asked for this on TV? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you were a lawyer making a case against the guy, it's like... We don't, we can't prove, or we don't, the public can't prove, the public doesn't have the information that I'm sure the intelligence of most of Washington, the News Corps has, but, but, um, whether you were directly involved in this or not, you asked them in public. You publicly asked them to hack and release information about Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're guilty. Yeah. Well, that was the interesting like, thing about it. the, uh, some of the court opinions around the travel ban is that, uh, I, the kind of reading between the lines, a lot of people were saying that the judges were basically saying, uh, you know, if all these public statements about it being a Muslim ban hadn't been made, maybe just on the merits of the text of the executive order, this might have passed muster. But combined with that, it's like, yeah, like if you're going to make these public statements along with this, you can't say it's not a Muslim ban when you're out there talking about a Muslim ban. Like, like sure, maybe the text of it was very crafty and well-worded and stuff, but if you're going to go on a 6.30 a.m. tweet storm about it, well, guess what? That's admissible, too. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and Rudy Giuliani went on some show, and he even said, that Trump had come to him and said, hey, how can we, we want to have a Muslim ban, but how can we make it pass legal muster? Yeah, reverse engineer it. Mm -hmm. And this is the, this is the, this is the product of that. Mm -hmm. And breaking news just into Fox News Channel, a federal U.S. judge has just granted an emergency stay to temporarily allow people who landed in the U.S. with valid visas to stay in the country. This will affect the people detained at these airports where people are protesting tonight. Joining me now to talk about this is former mayor of New York City and advisor to President Trump on cybersecurity, Rudy Giuliani. All right, good evening, Judge, uh, Mr. You? Mayor. I am fine. This just breaking <laughs> news during my open federal judge signing uh, this day. What can you tell us about it? Well, I think it's, uh, first of all, I thought your opening was absolutely a terrific explanation of what's been wrong with this country for 20 20- 30 years. A good deal of time that you were district attorney. I was U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York, and I couldn't get the immigration service to deport the criminals who were coming out of jail. They put them on bail and they commit more crimes, and then I have to arrest them again. And it's totally absurd. What Donald Trump wants to do, what Homeland Security wants to do under him, is focus on the criminal illegal aliens and get them out of the United States. Who possibly could object to that? I, I, I have no well, idea know, what these mayors are thinking about. I, 
don't know what they're thinking about either, and I have the same problem. I would seek to have someone deported after they served their jail time. Their country didn't want them, so the United States would say, okay, we'll keep them. Well, then or what we should do was, is, what we should yeah. do is, first of all, we should develop detention centers for them. They shouldn't, shouldn't be catch and release. They shouldn't go to jail for five years for assault or attempted murder or selling drugs and then go back out on the street. They should go right. into a detention center. They should be I held. Agree. They should be held. And then we should exert all the pressure that we have, which is enormous, by the way, to deport them to the countries where they're supposed to go to. Because and they in fact, in the executive action that the pre President Trump just signed, he talked about limiting visas from those countries that refuse to accept criminals uh, back to their countries. They say, these countries that say, oh, no, he's too, too dangerous for us to take back. Well, here's the deal. Now we're going to pull you by the short hairs. You can't come here. But, but that, that makes perfect sense. And now we've got a president who gets it. Thank well, that, that actually describes his whole first week in office, which is negotiating in the best interest of the United States of America, not the rest of the world, but protecting our citizens from what's happened with illegal criminal immigrants and in a lot of other areas. Uh, this last week, I think, has been a week that where he has done more than Roosevelt did in 100 days. I don't think there's any question. He, he, he not only hit the ground running, he's been airborne since the first 24 hours. He doesn't but sleep. Mayor, he does, I, I know this. I know that. He doesn't, we, you, both you, do. we, we both know him personally, right? This yes. man doesn't sleep. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But I want to ask you about this ban. I want to ask you about this ban and the protests. Does the ban have anything to do with religion? How did the president decide the seven countries? Uh, I understand the permanent ban on the refugees. Okay. Uh, um, and, okay, I'll talk to me. Tell you the whole history of it. So right. when he first announced it, he said Muslim ban. He called me up. He said, put a commission together. Show me the right way to do it legally. I put a commission together with Judge Mukasey with Congressman McCall, Pete King, whole group of other very expert lawyers on this. And what we did was we focused on, instead of religion, danger. The right. air areas of the world that create danger for us, which is a factual basis, not a religious basis. Perfectly legal, perfectly sensible, and that's what the ban is based on. It's not based on religion. It's based on places where there are substantial evidence that people are sending terrorists into our country. Well, let me ask you this. When, when you know, I was kind of surprised to see that Saudi Arabia and Pakistan are not on the list. And yet, you know, we know that the uh, San Bernardino attack by Syed Farouk and uh, Malik, uh, uh, I think her name was Tashfi Malik, she was born in Pakistan and then came through Saudi Arabia. So, I mean, wh why were some of those Okay, well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you about Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is going through a massive change. I think the kingdom, particularly under the new prince, has a real understanding that we're dealing with a massive radical Islamic terrorist problem. It is not the old Saudi Arabia. This isn't the Saudi Arabia of 2000, 2001, 2002. Uh, President Obama is dealing with a new Saudi Arabia which the is President Trump. Yeah, uh, pre pre President Trump, rather, is dealing with a very different Saudi Arabia than President Obama was dealing with. 
and a Saudi Arabia that has much closer relationships with Israel and with us if we know how to use it correctly. Pakistan, okay, well, Pakistan, I would have to know more about. That troubles right. me a little bit like it yeah. troubles you. All right. All right. Uh, Mr. Mayor, you know, I can't believe I'm not in New York tonight. You and I are always try I don't to know. We, never, we miss each other all the time. <laughs> all right. It's good to see you, though. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Anytime. Time. And oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, to, to even be still like debating whether it is or whether it isn't, it, it, it's laughable. Mm-hmm. You know? The news media has got to get the ability to move past the, the manufactured debate and get to the issue because that's, we know what it is. Yeah. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Trump supporters know what it is. White supremacists know what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, Christian fundamentalists know what it is. Liberals know what it is. The news media knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Everybody on Capitol Hill knows what it is, but they're like having this huge debate on, on the news. Like, well, is it really a Muslim ban? I mean, you know, he didn't ban all Muslim countries. Uh, you know, so... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think one thing you can, you can, uh, one feather in your cap, uh, if you want to go back to the archives is, uh, you know, you, you were basically right on when the money, when you said that access journalism is dead. Um, there's basically yeah. no utility in having any access to this administration. Um, there's a journalism professor in, uh, New York. Uh, his name is Jay Rosen. Um, he has a campaign now that he's trying to start in the journalism community called send the interns uh basically don't send any big name reporters to these press conferences just don't do it just send your send your interns and have all your actual journalists out in the field doing the real work talking to people knocking on doors you know beating the concrete because this is no stories have come no scoops have come from this administration sitting in a press room waiting to be fed answers and and you know maybe that was always true but wow was it true for this administration so yeah and i think that's i think that's a good thing i mean number one it gives the interns a chance to get a leg up probably mm-hmm. in the newsroom by mm-hmm. you know possibly you know coming across something and yeah i mean we get a couple news cycles of um of drama every time there's a press conference because he says something ridiculous or he you know he tells the the Jewish journalist to sit down and don't ask complicated questions about, you know, anti-Semitism in America right. or the Trump era. I want to find a friendly reporter. Used to say it was John. Are you a friendly reporter? Watch how friendly he is. Wait, wait, watch how friendly he is. Go ahead. Go ahead. a very simple, easy question. And it's not. It's not. Not a, not a simple question. Not a fair question. Okay, sit down. I, I understand the rest of your question. So here's the story, folks. Uh, number one, I am the least anti-Semitic person that you've ever seen in your entire life. Number two, racism. The least racist person. In fact, we did very well 
relative to other people running as a Republican. Quiet, quiet, quiet. See, he lied about he was going to get up and ask a very straight, simple question. So, you know, it's welcome to the world of the media. But let me just tell you something, that um, I hate the charge. I find it repulsive. I hate even the question because people that know me — and you heard the Prime Minister, you heard uh, Betanyahu yesterday. Did you hear him? Bibi. He said, I've known Donald Trump for a long time. And then he said, forget it. So you should take that instead of having to get up and ask a, a very insulting question like that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, or, you know, we have these little, we have these things that come up and stuff. So there, there is news, quote unquote, that comes out of these press conferences. But, but yeah, they, they sit there and they lie to you and they disseminate false information and they, you know, they spin, they spin, they spin, they insult. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sending, sending your best reporters is, you know, it's, it's giving Trump more credit than he, than he deserves. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that sounds like a really good campaign, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. But um, so what, what do you see next? I mean, how do we get out of this pickle? <laughs> well, I, I honestly can't remember if I predicted this on a previous podcast or not. I'm not sure if I said it or not. But for several months, I've been, I mean, basically since the inauguration, I've been saying this guy's not going to last for four years. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to last for four years. Something. I mean, this guy's not going to finish four years. I just don't. I don't see that happening. Um, and recently, I've kind of amended that to two years or six months. I just keep kind of like <laughs> I keep dividing by by halves or by quarters, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> because I, I I could see this guy gone within six months. I could easily see him gone within two years, and I have a very hard time seeing him lasting the entire four years. So that's, Although that's you are, you know he's already started. Uh, we haven't even talked about this, but you know he's already started his 2020 campaign, right? Hmm. He's already filed yeah, the paperwork, which does not happen in the first month of someone's administration. Usually, that's that's a new that's a yeah. new thing, and I'm sure there's nefarious reasons for it with fundraising and whatnot. But um, there's a, uh, and this is another reason I have to get this podcast out quickly. Uh, there is a campaign rally tomorrow in Florida. Yeah, he's for what? Addicted to that. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's that's the thing he likes. He likes that more than actually leading. Or yeah, I know he likes it, but it's over. The campaign is over. <laughs> he won. Yeah. <laughs> like that song. It must have been love, but it's over now. <laughs> I was kind of thinking more about the cake song. He's going the distance. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, yeah. He's, he's going all for alone. speed. He's all alone. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He's, he's he's going the distance. He's going for speed. Melania is all alone, all alone, all alone in a time of need. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, at, she's all alone at the taxpayer's bill. In oh yeah. Hour, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can you imagine if Michelle Obama was like? Hold up in a Chicago high rise tower of Obama Tower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably tweeting on her Obama phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obama. <laughs> she has a Obama. Obama. Yeah. yeah this yeah, this guy, I mean, yeah, that's that's true. And I think I saw, like, a meme on Facebook or something a while back or something. It said something like, I mean, you know, 
Barack Obama had to be Harvard-educated, lawyer, top of his class, mm-hmm. uh, community organizer, activist, uh, well-spoken, good with words, uh, visionary, inspirational, and all Donald Trump had to be was rich and white. Yeah, I think that was a Ta-Nehisi Coates quote, yeah. Yeah, yeah, smart guy. But, um... You know, I don't always get into the, you know, I don't always get into the, you know, the kind of the identity politics stuff because, like, I mean, there's a million white guys who will never be president in the way that Donald Trump was. So Mm -hmm. if you want to talk about, you know, white versus black just in those simple terms, I don't buy it. But if you want to talk about the fact that, yeah, you have to be a rich, an obscenely Mm -hmm. rich white man, Mm -hmm. then, yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that strikes me as so true. I mean... Barack Obama had to be absolutely beyond reproach in every area of his life, mm-hmm. and and the Republicans still treated him like he was like ghetto scum or something. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump has like been exceptional in all exactly zero areas of his life except perhaps marketing, and he's disappointed everybody. He's betrayed everybody who's ever trusted him. He's betrayed women. He's betrayed business partners, workers. Um, you name it, investors, uh, banks, anybody. Mm-hmm. And he's been rewarded for this. It's, it's, uh, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, well, anyway, but I, I do feel like we've been pretty negative. So um, any, any funny, funny, positive stuff going on? I mean, <laughs> what else is going on in America these days? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, oh, uh, this is something we haven't talked about yet. Pokemon Go came to South Korea, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all over that. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I'm playing the hell out of it, too. Well, we talked about it uh, on a previous podcast, and this was back when you said it had something to do, or, or I think that I read a news report where it was about how the um, Google Maps wasn't able to integrate with the Pokemon because the government wouldn't allow it to be mapped or something. Wasn't that part of it? Yeah, they didn't want to give away, like, national security secrets about, like, the locations of and the layouts of uh, government bases or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they found a workaround, and I still don't understand how the workaround goes, but um, but they, uh, but there are already websites and stuff that are, like, um, Pokemon locations in Seoul or something, all across Seoul. And I was up there in Itaewon last weekend, which is right next to a big American Itaewon garrison. Bonsang Garrison, where the American Army's main headquarters in Korea. And the official Pokemon map has that all blanked out and stuff. You can't see on the base and stuff. But the the Pokemon location indicator website has a total map that shows exactly where everything is inside the base and stuff. So <laughs> Mission accomplished, Korea. Good job. <laughs> You've got the worst of both worlds. You delayed the launch of an extremely popular game by six months in your country and made it so that the game that requires you to walk around for hours outside launches in the middle of winter. And people are freezing their asses off out there trying to catch these damn monsters. And you still have compromised base security. <laughs> so that's that's par for the course in South Korea. <sighs> don't get deported, Chai. You don't want to come back here. <laughs> I don't think I will. I mean, if anything, I'm telling them about the weakness in there. Whatever. I don't know. They, they should thank me. <laughs> You'll be treated as liberators. <laughs>
think I think Kim Jong Un would give me a pardon. Oh yeah, absolutely. But um, but yeah, Pokemon Go is crazy. Today, this morning when I left my house, I, I usually turn on Pokemon Go as I leave my house because when I ride the taxi to the company that I go to first thing in the morning, I get some extra kilometers walked or whatever so I can hatch my Poke egg. And, uh, but this morning I couldn't turn it on. I was like, what's going on? And I said, oh, you need to update before you can play. So I updated and that took a while. So I missed my first Pokemon of the day. But when I, when I updated, I found that there were new Pokemon in the world around me, which is great because mm-hmm. I've got like, I already had like 125 or 130 or so. Now I've got about 150 today because there were just new ones everywhere. Mm-hmm. So people are going crazy. You go to any park in the, any national park here. There's just like throngs of zombies walking around, like freezing, <laughs> trying to catch these things everywhere. Even at eight o'clock at night, sub zero temperatures doesn't matter. Uh huh. Yeah, it's weird. I haven't heard much about Pokemon Go. Maybe it is because the winter. It's the winter. Maybe that's part of it. But um, I feel like it's kind of tapered off in yeah, America. I, yeah. Well, Pokemon Go. I mean, it's it's a fad thing. I mean, it's going to be a fad. It's going to be a fad in Korea for a little while. And it may taper off in Korea, too, after six months. Mm-hmm. Or it may keep going and have competitive, like, Pokemon Go TV-watching channels, like StarCraft does. <laughs> so I think it could really go either way in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, everybody loves it. Like, kids are playing it. High school students are playing it. Um, college students are playing it. Young urban professionals are playing it. I even had a 40- or 50-year-old Ajima, which is like a middle-aged woman in one of my classes yesterday, Earlier in the week, I asked her, like, what did you do last weekend? She's like, oh, I played Pokemon Go. Do you know? I was like, yes, yes, I know. <laughs> I was surprised that she would play it. She's just like, she's like a housewife. Hmm. They usually don't go for the games too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a perfect fit for everything I've heard about South Korea, just with how wired as a culture they are. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really great. Um, it's... Uh, I mean, the mechanics of the game are nothing to write home about. It's not that amazing in the game, but just the fact that it's like, you know, you can play it as you go, and it, it interacts with the world around you, and it's like the augmented reality stuff. That's, I mean, that's, that's the kind of a, the cool thing. Now, can you play, like, if you're in a car and, like, going down the road? Well, well if you go over, I think I think if you go over 30 kilometers per hour or something, they, they tell you you can't play while you're driving. Uh, click this button that says, I'm, but I'm a passenger but they still won't really let you do anything. But, like, sometimes when you're in a taxi, like, um, they'll slow down going past a Pokestop just enough <laughs> that you can hit the Pokestop while you swing by it and stuff. you got to be pretty lucky. you got to be really fast, and it's, it's, it's mostly luck. But, yeah, it does happen. Yeah. I remember a couple months ago I saw, you know, those uh, big lighted signs on the highway. They have those warnings about road construction. There was one about don't play Pokemon Go and drive or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you play Pokemon Go, your uh, license will go away, <laughs> and, we, and we'll catch them all. They'll go away. <laughs> we we yeah. will catch them we're, all. We're gonna catch them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> In jail. Everybody's playing Pokemon Go, <laughs> go and driving. We're gonna, yeah. The state trooper's gonna throw a Pokeball at you. <laughs> be a super Pokeball. You can't get out. So now once you've got these Pokemon in your collection or whatever, what do you do with them? Mm, it's none of your business. 
no. Like once you get them, <laughs> okay. Once you get them, you have some choices. You can, um, you can donate them to the professor. And if you donate one Pokemon to the professor, he gives you like three, or he gives you one Poke Candy. Hmm. Okay, so like when you catch a Pokemon, you get three candy for that Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And then when you sell one of the Pokemon back, you get one more. So potentially you can get four candy for each Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And the, the candy is restricted to that type of Pokemon. So like if you want to upgrade a Pokemon, it takes usually about 50 to 100 Poke Candies. Hmm. So really you've got to collect a lot of a certain Pokemon to upgrade one of those Pokemon. Hmm. So ideally you want to have like one of the good Pokemon that is well upgraded and stuff. So you're, you know, you're basically always just going around and collecting certain Pokemon that you want to get the candy for or upgrade or whatever and try to get the highest points you can for that one. So it's a stronger one. And then once you have a, you know, a decently sized Pokemon and you're above level five in the game, you can go to these Pokemon gyms where you can battle. There are three teams that you choose. You can choose blue team, yellow team, or red team. And I chose blue team. And after that, blue team go. After that, you can never change it again. So you're stuck with that team forever. But mm-hmm. you go to the Pokestops and you take over the Pokestop. I mean, you take over the gym for your team. And then other members of your team can put their Pokemon in there too. And then if the other teams want to take over that gym, they have to come and battle your Pokemon and knock them out of there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's not amazing. It's not a great dynamic necessarily, but, you know, that's kind of the game, I guess. Mostly it's just about collecting, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, humans have an, an inherent desire to collect things. Mm-hmm. I certainly do, possibly more than most people. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the I like the feeling of, you know, accumulating collecting and gathering and, you know, completing. So it kind of taps into that, I think, that thing for most people. Now, have there been any, because uh, I know in America when it first came out, there was a lot of people, like, falling in wells and getting robbed in alleyways and stuff. Has there been any uh, Pokemon-related uh, injuries or deaths over there? I don't know about injuries or deaths, but I saw some sort of a kind of a, a pearl-fetching a pop-ed in the newspaper a few weeks ago that said, like, um, you know, people are, you know, doing dangerous things. People, you know, are going into graveyards. And we asked the people, what are you doing in this national, this is a national cemetery for, like, veterans of the Korean War. Why are you in here with your phone out? So there's lots of Pokemon in the graveyard. (laughs) (laughs) So very disrespectful, I guess. Um, I think some people have been driving around playing Pokemon. People have been, like, swerving through traffic trying to get to the Pokestop that's nearby. <laughs> but to be honest, people have been swerving in traffic in Korea since before that, so I don't know what's changed. <laughs> so how can you tell the difference, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, yeah, it's, it's huge, though. It's absolutely huge over here. Everybody's playing it. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the new update today was nice because I caught... Not all, but I I think I'd caught most of the Pokemon that were out up to that point. And and there were some of them that I had not upgraded to their final stage and stuff, which would have completed the collection, but I'd collect, not, not maybe not most. There were probably 20, 15 to 20 that I did not have, maybe. Mm-hmm. But now I've got another 100 or so to go through. That's like, so that's, you know, collecting continues. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and truly, I don't give a shit about Pokemon. Like, I mean, 
outside of this game or whatever, just because it's like an experience and something to do when I'm going around. And also, like, it keeps track of how far you walk. So it's kind of like a Fitbit, mm-hmm. you know? They tell you, like, how many kilometers you've walked with a certain Pokemon, and that Pokemon can get more Poke Candy for walking with you. Hmm. So you got to walk, like, 1.5 to 2 to 5 kilometers with that Pokemon to get a single candy. So you've really got to, like, put in some... You know, you gotta hit the pavement <laughs> to get anywhere in the game, basically. So, well, that's good. It's kind of like an exercise thing. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's so you yeah. can be tracked <laughs> by the by the Google or whatever. <laughs> yeah, some people worry about that. I don't really worry about that kind of stuff. Like, they're like the company can know where you are. It's like, so what? I'm one person. I'm a single person. <laughs> If yeah. I don't need to commit a murder, I'll leave my phone at home, okay? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> or you're going to commit a murder yeah. now, are you? <laughs> just saying. Like, yeah. I know, I know they, they can, I mean, that's the dangerous thing, I guess, is that if you ever do anything bad, they can like kind of backtrack to where mm-hmm. you based on where your phone was. Right. And that's like the scary thing, I guess. But it's like, you know, it's it's too late. You know, 9-11 happened. <laughs> We, the Patriot Act happened. It's you know. I've always said though. I think I think like I think there's something in the American psyche that we, as a as a people, we don't like the idea that we couldn't get away with a crime if we had to commit it. Right? Sure. I mean that's why movies like uh, Catch Me If You Can are so popular. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think we all like to believe that if you know, if worst came to worst, and if I had to rob a bank, this is how I would do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, with the with the onset of the you know the intelligence state and the you know the surveillance state or whatever, it's just like we're all having to slowly come to grips with the fact that like you know we probably couldn't get away with it very well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, exactly. No, it's like a hundred years ago. If somebody robbed a bank, I think if you got away with, you know, from it, it's probably a pretty good chance you'd probably get away with it. I mean, how would they? You know what I mean? There's no DNA, you know, back then. So, yeah, I, I think like I think we all have the fantasy of like time travel, and one of the things that we fantasize about is being able to go back there and like you know, I don't know, like predict stocks or something that we know are going to do well or something or like make ourselves ridiculously wealthy. But the other thing is like take advantage of the lack of, uh, you know, technology back that back in the day. And, you know, <laughs> be able, I mean, like, have you watched the West world at all? Uh, no, not the TV show. I did watch the old movie, uh, when I was a kid, the one from the seventies that it's based on, but no, I haven't yeah. seen the TV show, but I, yeah. Yeah, I never saw the movie when I was a kid, but I recently downloaded and watched it and stuff. But the show is great. The movie was pretty good, too. But, yeah, the show is outstanding. It's a masterpiece. I strongly recommend it. But but I think, you know, yeah, you can see that in the show, too, is this desire for people in the modern world to go back to a simpler time, you know, and just, like, be invincible to bullets, basically. But, but I think, yeah, I think we all have a fantasy to go back in the past and, like, be able to get away with stuff. Like, you can rob the bank and there's no CCTV, there's no slow alarm, there's no, like... You know, you just go in, you take the money, and if you get away, well, you got away. <laughs> and you won't get to catch you, basically. But, but at the end of the day, we got to remember, like, people in the past weren't fucking stupid. <laughs> and mistakes get made, and, you know, they, they you know, they had their ways of catching people, too, I guess. Sure, sure. I mean, I'm only saying that with the benefit of hindsight. I'm sure it was different back then, so... <laughs> But yeah, but I mean, characters like Bonnie and Clyde, 
whoever bullied a kid or whatever, all these like outlaws and stuff that have, you know, robbed banks and killed people left and right and stuff. It's like, we do kind of idolize them as a people. Well, uh, uh Scarface. Yeah. Previous guest of the show, uh, Josh Ziegler, uh, in his, uh, capacity, uh, his trying to get back uh, for the city of Peru in Indiana here, John Dillinger's uh, gun, because he was in jail in Peru uh, during his spree. He escaped using a wooden gun, and uh, I'm probably going to get the story wrong, but anyway, he stole a Tommy gun from the Peru, Peru, Peru Police Department, and uh, it, he was caught in Arizona, and the Arizona uh, Police Department uh, there has the Peru Police Department's Tommy gun from the 30s, and it's like on display. <laughs> and now they're trying to like sue. To, I don't know if they're suing yet, but they've they've requested it back because it's still their property. <laughs> and they're like, no, you, we aren't giving this back. <laughs> That's an outstanding uh, item on our uh, on our equipment inventory that we need to account for. Okay. <laughs> Y'all shut up now. <laughs> you couldn't keep track of it back then, and you don't deserve to have it now. Yeah, exactly. I'm, that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's worth, like, a million dollars or something now, too. So, <laughs> Are they trying to get it back, like, to put it on display? Is this just kind of like a bragging rights thing about which state gets to display this infamous weapon? Or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, That's you know, it's, it's technically still theirs. I mean, they have a good case. And also, there was a historic... After the story broke, apparently, there was a Tommy Gun historic who had all the receipts of all the Tommy guns ever made, and he matched it up, the serial number, to this Tommy gun, so they know for sure it is the one. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, uh, I don't know, yeah. I don't know which side I should come down <laughs> Represent for your home state, Shaw. <laughs> Indiana? Mike Pence? I don't know. I think... I think we should just let him keep it. <laughs> you can't come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's But anyway, no, it is one of those yeah. things where it's like, how do we deal with this? Because it is like, yeah, this was bad, but that's kind of freaking cool that, you know, John Dillinger, you know what I mean? Like, like people still think it's cool, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I remember the story of the wooden gun. Yeah, he got out of prison with a wooden gun. Yep. It's, it's just a different time, right? It's mm-hmm. a different time. So, but yeah, well, I, I don't know. Maybe El Chapo down in Mexico was able to do some amazing things too in the modern day, but now he's imprisoned in, uh, in America there. Yeah. He got extradited. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, well, I was going to, I don't know if you want to leave this in or take it out, but I was going to see what the status of the situation with Russia was vis-a-vis this podcast. Oh. <laughs> no, no, we can talk about it. We can talk about, about it. Russia. Yeah, I mean, the last time we talked about Russia a lot in the podcast because something had just happened. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned to me a day or two later that there's a marked uptick in traffic coming out of Russia. Yeah. This is Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of hits from Russia, and then uh, after I told you that, I then got another spike from Ukraine. East or west? Mm, it doesn't say. It just says Ukraine. Yeah, I'm guessing east. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was something that was kind of like you know, 
Maybe I'll, I'll try to send you some photos from the meal if I can, and then yeah. you could include those in the podcast. And 
Yeah, please our, do. Uh, our audience could uh, check out some of the uh, Russian food and what it looks like. I guess. Yeah, definitely. Well, what'd you say to me on Facebook? For I, for one, welcome our new uh, Russian overlords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that was before the stuff of Flynn came out, and that was before the stuff about the constant contact throughout the campaign came out. And, and it brings me back to, you know, I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast. Like, sometimes I don't even listen to the podcast that I'm on because I don't want to know what I sound like or I'm, you know, whatever. I, I, was, I figure I was there, so I already know what I said. Mm-hmm. But then I forget at times like this. But I had posted, like, a couple of weeks ago I'd said on Facebook, I posted a Slate article from, like, four or five months ago. I think it was around November, October... September, October, July, maybe, or something last year, mm-hmm. where Slate had, you know, they, they had covered the fact that there was the the pinging back and forth between mm-hmm. Trump's campaign computer server in the Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue and the Russian bank, the Alpha Bank in Russia, mm-hmm. which is connected to the government, right? Mm-hmm. And I posted that on Facebook, and then I think another guy from our high school, Josh, I'll leave off his last name just, you know, in case. No, don't worry. Um, the Russians already and, know, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Josh. Never mind. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> Could you spell that in acrylic, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> he lives at 45. No. No, <laughs> I don't know. God, I got I to gotta learn how to finish a joke on this. It's, it's hard to do a, a joke on a show because it's like, wait, I don't want to say that. No, I want to say that. I don't want to say and Somehow you lose the punchline. Right? Yeah. Normally in my classroom, I can do a punchline like you wouldn't believe. Um, it's the best. These punchlines. Yeah, the best. Everyone says Everybody that. Everybody says that. <laughs> um, the, uh, well, anyways, like, so, I don't know, what was it? So, anyways, I had posted this link and a friend of ours from high school had shared it. And then some right wing lunatic from southern Indiana had commented on his, his, uh, you know, thing and said, like, um, oh, this has been debunked. You need to get your news from somewhere other than slate.com. They're not a credible news source. This got debunked on, you know, New York Times even. Even New York Times said this was a false story. And it's like, here we are again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go back to that story. Go back, investigate it, have things declassified if they need to be declassified. But that's, that was the story to be following. Because mm-hmm. I was saying, like, as much as the media is talking about, like, who's, who's his appointment for, you know, Secretary of State? Who's going to Secretary of Defense? And who's in national security, you know? And they're talking about all these things. And I'm just like, if this guy is not a legitimate president, it doesn't matter who he appoints mm-hmm. to these things because it's all going to get overturned. Mm-hmm. And, you know... About a week or so ago, I posted something from, I think it was from the Daily Cross, and I don't always, I, I rarely post things from Daily Cross, because Daily Cross is extremely partisan. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, they'll take anything and run with it, which is, you know, even more than I would sometimes. But it's like I, I posted it, and they said, like, um, you know, this is the story that the media has stopped covering, was the Russian thing. And I posted that, and I said, yeah, this is ac- exactly, this is exactly. Oh, I remember that story. That was from, uh, that was from Mother Jones, actually, I think. Was it Mother? Jones? Well, they may, may you may have posted a Daily Cross story, but I think the originating story was, and that was David Korn, who's been on this Russia thing for a while, so he's legit. But no, I remember that story. Okay, that yeah, that sounds right. I think I, I did. I posted a Mother Jones article vis-a-vis or via yeah. um, Daily Cross, <clears throat> and um, 
And I, you know, I feel totally vindicated because then like a week later, boom, Michael Flynn's out, boom, the, the, the NIS or the CIA or the FBI or whoever says like, oh yeah, they actually had contact con- continuously throughout the campaign, right? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, so I think like, I, I feel good that I think that my, my instincts as to what was important, what was the important thing to focus on with the Trump stuff at this point was correct, that mm-hmm. we really cannot take our eye off of the Russian thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, if we want to find some hope, you know, here at the end, I, I think that we can we can say that, you know, there is a line apparently somewhere for this guy because, you know, I think Trump himself even thought that Flynn was going to be able to survive this. Um, but once it was clear what was happening, they had to cut him loose. So there is a line. Apparently, you can get fired for something in this administration. There is still a, something to butt up against, even though it doesn't seem like it sometimes. So uh, if there's a line for Flynn, it's got to you got to imagine there's there's a line for the rest of these jokers. So no, there's there's a line for everybody who's not Trump. I mean, Trump loves firing people. That's what he's yeah, that's true. about. So. That's true. I mean, and they, they've been saying that Sean Spicer, ever since he was portrayed as a woman, which was a brilliant thing by Saturday Night Live, I think, because when you study fascism, right, one big element of fascism is the kind of the emphasis of the masculine and the integration mm-hmm. of the feminine. Oh, and that's that's in the all right universe, totally. I mean, I, I I don't know if you've ever been called a cuck before, but it's uh, a made up insult by that side that basically means yeah. somebody that you know it, it's basically demasculating somebody. I don't want to go into the details of it because it's so weird and stupid. But um, yeah, well, cucking. Yeah, I can explain it if you want. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you're not a real you're not a real man until you've been called a cuck by the uh, by the. Uh, by the Frog Brigade, by yeah. By the KKK. The lowercase KKK. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, like, okay, so cucking is like, you're a cuck when you're, your wife sleeps with another man, right? Well, I think in Basically. this case it's very specific because it's a black man, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's the modern, I think, I mean, the word cuckold, or to be cuckolded sure. as a verb, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that goes back to Shakespeare, as far yep. as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, but I mean, the modern thing is that, like, some men who are not sufficiently manly, I guess, enjoy supposedly having their wives or girlfriends be, um, have sex with other men in front of them, especially um, African-American men, if you will, mm-hmm. in some cases. And so this seems to be the definition of cucking or cuckoldry or a cuck in the parlance of our time <laughs> that the alt-right has latched on to. And they, you know. <clears throat> oh, and there, and there, the other element to it, too, is you, have you heard this whole thing with alpha and beta and they call them beta males? And, you know, that, that that's all tied up in this, too. You know, it's like the alpha male, I'm alpha, you're a beta, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, good. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, imagine being a person that cares about this kind of stuff. I just don't care. Like, apparently there's people that sit around and I'm going to make up a term and you're a cuck. (laughs) Yeah. You don't care? Spoken like a true beta, Bob. (laughs) It's easy not to care when you can't be as alpha as uh, the rest of us. Oh, okay. I I can't Um, sit with you at the Pepe lunch table. Sorry. Okay. Alternative medicine that I could take that could make me more alpha, right? 
I'm sure Alex Jones sells something Alex for that. Jones, <laughs> supplement. Uh, you know, I, I've seen his things on there where he's like, uh, this stuff is this stuff is so strong. Like, you, you know, they say to take they t- they say to take a hat. They say don't even take a whole one. You know, they say he's like, what does he do? He says like, they say they say to take two. I don't even take two. I think that's too masculine for me. I just take one. It's too strong. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think that day he ripped his shirt off and ran around the studio. It was he may have had the whole one that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that guy. He's he's up to no good. He's up to something. And I, you know, he's like a, he's like a rear guard for all the craziness of the right wingers. He's he's kind of like a libertarian in that he pretends he's nonpartisan, but he's actually devoutly right wing. Mm-hmm. So, I think the other day I saw that he had uh, pledged his life to Donald Trump. Wow. So this is the this is the hill that he wants to die on, I guess. I think he's just so surprised that somebody in power has taken him seriously or given him a audience or said that they listened to him or whatever, been on his show. So I think he's just starstruck <laughs> more than anything, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Uh, it's probably all going to end in tears, but I don't know. I mean, if we got to if we have to give Glenn Beck credit for anything. At least he's turned his, you know, fear of a right, you know, fear of a dictatorship in America to the right side. <laughs> I still don't trust the boss. Oh no, you shouldn't trust him at all. But yeah, woke uh, Glenn Beck is is something to see. Yeah, and he dresses like a hipster now too, which is hilarious. So. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Oh boy. Does he still have like a a, a version of the uh, the Oval Office or whatever is his studio now, where he has his like. Goofy interns sitting around with computers and stuff, and laptops while he like he preaches to them, kind of like Osama bin Laden in a cave or something. <laughs> Isn't that where uh, that Tommy Lauren woman comes from? Isn't she on his network, The Blaze or whatever? Isn't that where she originates from? I think so. Yeah, and I and I really wish you know I'm getting sick of you know Trevor Noah. I've never warmed up to Trevor Noah. I just don't like the guy. Mm-hmm. He's just not John Stewart. And, but having this Tommy Lauren girl or whatever on there was dis- it's disgraceful, I thought. Mm-hmm. Because right now, up until that point, her audience was the right wing fever swamp, and that was all it was. And, you know, those of us who have friends who are in that milieu on Facebook who happen to share this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but by putting her on the, the Daily Show, you, you know, if I ever went on the Daily Show, I would put that on my resume. You know, I'd say, yeah, I was a, I was a guest on the Daily Show, and now I hear, well, I mean, and then Bill Maher also had her on one time, and he, you know, even patted her on the back for being a good sport with all the lids on there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I hear Bill Maher's going to have that. What's his name? Milo. Yannanopoulos. Well, and, uh, and did you hear that Jeremy Scahill from The uh, Intercept was supposed to be on, and he canceled because of that? He's like, I can't do this. I can't be a part of this. And is the controversial senior editor of Breitbart News and author of the upcoming book, Dangerous, Milo Yiannopoulos. Milo. Hi. How you doing? How are you? Nice to meet you. Yes. Happy to have you here. You're very controversial. I, I don't know why. Well, we're going to... I we're, don't know why I'm lovely. Yeah, I know. You, well, we'll find that out. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to start with an open mind because, honestly, I only heard of you about a year ago. Mm-hmm. You're all of, what, 31? 
32, but thank you. Okay. <laughs> 27 officially. Okay. Um, you look like Bruno. <laughs> but, uh... You know, he said he was 19. You know I told her to dial down the contouring. She didn't listen. Your makeup lady was just crazy. Uh, all right. Anyway, so, uh... About a year ago, people started to tell me, Have you, are you going to get this guy Milo, yeah. you know, on your show? And I started to look into, you know, what you're saying. And, look, I, I think you're colossally wrong on a number of things. That's okay. But if, exactly, That's if, okay. I, if I banned you're everyone to from my show who I thought was colossally wrong, I would be talking to myself. Well, you wouldn't, ha you wouldn't have Ann Coulter on, which is the and only I time I watch the show. Ann. I wouldn't have Jack Kingston of on, course, who's on tonight. Of course, wonderful. Okay. So I have an open mind. But, so let's start with the contradictions about you, which is pretty crazy. Because you're 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 gay and you're uh... <laughs> spoiler alert. Oh, uh, oh come on, you can do better than that. Um, what, what tipped you off? I, I, um, I've been reading about you. I mean, your mother's Jewish. You have a you have a black Muslim boyfriend. No, but I haven't well, got one now. But you did. Still black, not Muslim. Not Muslim, but he was Muslim. I, there was somebody once. Okay. But you've spoken we don't out talk about it. We, you've spoken out against all these uh, people. Like, you say you don't no, hire gay no. people. Oh, no, you can't trust them to show up to work on time. <laughs> too much drugs, too much sex. They never show up to work, always making excuses. No, no, no. I mean, not but, as bad as women, but no, I don't hire but gays. But you know that's not... I mean... Oh, there we go. <laughs> but, you know, that's just... Just kidding. You're easy. You're very easy. <laughs> Very easily triggered. It's pathetic. That, well, let's get to that. I was I, there's so many things I could start an argument with you about, but <laughs> <laughs> let, because I know gay people who do show up to work. Okay, but uh, <laughs> yes, but th that is the, that is the the, the reaction. You are so, um, let's say, helped by the fact that liberals just always take the bait. Of course. Now, of you're course. a conservative. I'm a liberal. Well, That's the I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if I'm conservative. I mean, I'm a well, libertarian. You work for Bright, I'm a you work for Breitbart, and you're a Trump supporter. Well, it's interesting... You're a conservative. That, well, it's interesting that the radical gay editorials, you know, saying interesting, provocative things about gays are now being published by Breitbart. And I don't think, really, that you can call Trump a traditional conservative. He's not that Republican. No, you're correct about that. So I don't know he's if that's very, fair. He's all very I care dangerous. About, all I, I care about is free speech and free expression. I want people to be able to be, well, do, I, and say yeah, anything. You know These what? days, you're right. That's a conservative. Position. I care about the environment and living, also, and, and but free speech. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, we've That's both a conservative position now. Free we have right? both been uh, uh, disbarred at, at Berkeley. You know, I, I, w I gave the commencement address. Much more dramatically, I'd just like to say. I mean, they just, they just disinvited you. I had riots. People got, people, people got beaten up. You know? Right. No, you it's do. Horrendous. You, okay, you win, babe. You, you, uh, <laughs> you beat me out there. There were no riots. It's not a competition. I'm just no, saying. it's not a competition. But, but <laughs> like, when you make liberals crazy yes. for that part of liberalism that has gone off the deep end. Most of it. Yeah. Well, I don't know You're about the you only good one. No, I... You're literally the only good no, one. No, I am so Your not... side has gone insane. The yeah. Democrats are the party of Lena Dunham. These people are mental, hideous people. Okay. The more that America sees of Lena Dunham, the fewer you know votes okay. the Democrat Party is ever not, going to get. This is the people that she Let's not around. pick on fellow HBO stars. <laughs> there are so was many I supposed other to, people. Was I, was I not supposed to do that? No, of course you're. They you're, didn't brief me about that. I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because we but don't, she is awful. Because excuse me. 
because we don't brief here because it is free speech. Well, I like that. I, I know. I Should know. we go with Amy Schumer? But I'm not. See another thing. I love Amy Schumer. Her show. Her, oh. I, but that's okay. We disagree. No, but these people used to be funny before they contracted feminism. It's like Sarah Silverman. No. She was really, really funny when another, she was cracking. Another someone I'm a fan of. Let's get off this. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about your humor because I think a lot of people do miss your humor. And I'm a guy who always defends jokes. Yeah. Right up to the point where they pointlessly hurt people. Do right. you think you've ever? If it, no, I hurt people. No, I, point, I have I, my I, whole I, career. I, I hurt people for a reason. But. Sure. <laughs> no, I like if, to think if, of myself as a virtuous troll. But know? if it's if if somebody gets hurt in the in the in, in because of truth needs to be said, like yes. religion. I've always attacked religion. Yes. Well, we're, you're sound on Islam, unlike most of the people on your side. Uh, so yes, you're, right. You're very good That's on that true. Subject. But all religion, I always say, is stupid and dangerous. That hurts. Except people. Catholicism, which is awesome, but otherwise, yes. Okay. Well, that shows you. <laughs> and I hope when you look in the mirror tonight. I'm very happy with what I see in the mirror. I, I don't see Bruno in the mirror. I'm not talking about what you see. <laughs> I'm talking what's in your head. When you recognize that you are a Catholic, I hope you say to yourself, gee, I'm also capable of bullshit, stupid thinking. Well, everyone's capable of bullshit, stupid okay, thinking. Okay, right. You know? Right. And, right. That's, and that's okay. You right. know... It's a, it's, a, it's a characteristic of the modern left, I think, requiring, you know, this absolute consistency and forgetting that people are messy and complicated and forgetting also right. some, some obvious other um, human truths, I think, some realities of human psychology. Like, for instance, you know, the reason they want to police humour, you know, which is very important to both of us, is that they can't control it because the one thing that authoritarians hate is the sound of laughter because they can't control what people find And funny. also because when people laugh, they know it's true. Yeah, of course. Because Nothing laughter... annoys people or amuses people like the truth. Laughter is involuntary. Exactly. When you exactly. laugh, even if you don't really agree in that kind exactly. part of your mind, exactly. You go, oh, shit, and so maybe. I go to well, my college talks. You've got the right. professors at the front who are there to kind of monitor me to say, make sure I don't right. go off the rails. And I make a joke about Ted Cruz or something, and they're like, <laughs> you, know, right. you can see it. You can see it. And the other thing, the other thing that's really important is not just. Um, not just that, but the other thing is, you know, humor isn't how you drive people apart. The, you know, these sort of policing humor for racism and sexism is utterly wrong-headed. Not just because normally it isn't there, but because that's how we build bridges, not how we break them. You know, when you make a joke about, when you make a joke, that's how you connect with somebody. You know, you make jokes at the bar, sure. you make awkward small talk. Humor's what brings people together, not what drives them apart. Right. And these basic, you know, fundamental human psychological insights, the, the progressive no, I mean, forgotten. the one area where I'm a little concerned is when you go after people individually because like I said I will if, it, if it's in the cause of a greater truth mm -hmm. I you know if 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 people are hurt as a as you know collateral damage I'll go there mm -hmm. But, like, I didn't understand, like, the Ghostbusters thing. First of all, who gives a fuck I read about a bad review of a movie. Am I not entitled to do that? I don't and know. I said she looked like a dude. She does. Um, you know, I said right. that, so so that she was barely literate. She is. And I simply don't accept, I do not accept, that a Hollywood, you know, that, that the star of a Hollywood blockbuster, that an A-list mega-celebrity is sitting in a Hollywood mansion crying over mean words on the Internet. Get over it. And if you aren't over it, which I suggest you are, which I suspect you are, because it's not really the case that she's sitting there upset about mean words on the internet. Actually, she's been deployed by the studio because the movie's tanking. Um, you know, you've just got to accept, I'm, I'm sorry, you've just got to accept mean words on the internet don't hurt anyone. No, and, and also, Your Twitter feed, my Twitter feed, right. these are ugly, horrible things. Every Twitter feed is. That's no, ugly. they're not. They're no, wonderful. They are. When I had a Twitter, it was the funniest thing in America. Okay, it was fabulous. But, but you know, what actually hurts people is no. things that happen in the real world. I mean, I don't go on yes. about it because I'm not a professional right. victim, but I do get syringes through my door, dead animals through my door. You say you get mean tweets, that's okay. It's not a competition. But, um, what actually hurts people is, like, murder, violence, you know, that, that right. kind of stuff. 
mean words doesn't hurt Which you. some people would say you have incited. What? How? I'm just saying some people would say... Well, they would be idiots. Well... They would be idiots. Yeah, okay. No, and I, you know, I agree with you about the Twitter thing. I mean, I stopped reading most of my Twitter feed a long time ago because if I want to cry myself to sleep every night, I could just read my Twitter feed. No, you, and I it, love and, it. And I get off on it. I love it. You know, I give my trolls more. But that's I can. you, and you're a, I'm a little special kind of animal. <laughs> I'm a little broken. I give you them marks out of ten. I used a to little retweet. broken. I used to... You're a little broken, and you're very wrong about certain things. Black like, media well, like broken. Black Lives Matter is a hate group, and that there's no such thing as white privilege. I mean, you do know that that's We're happy to... You know, look, we, we can disagree on those things, and that's wonderful. The one thing that should unite us, the one thing that we, I think that you and I can both agree on, and the one thing that was so remarkable when that... I mean, I've never heard of him before, that silly man who had a hissy fit this week who refused to come on the show, but doesn't understand, is that... Yes. If you don't show up to debate, you lose. Right. And if you don't... Abs and, and, if also, you don't and also, stop taking the bait, liberals. The fact that oh they all freaked out... Wasn't it pathetic? ...about this little impish British fag. <laughs> you fucking schoolgirls. You schoolgirls. It's so ridiculous. Right? The only, look, if I am... You know what? If I'm any... I... I Somebody sent me this, which is so funny, because they knew you were coming on. Okay. These are some things Joan Rivers, who, by the way, when she died, Obama, uh, the liberal president that we all love, commented. They don't comment when someone dies. She's a treasure. Unless they're a national treasure. Yeah. He said, not only did she make us laugh, she made us think. Here's what she said on Michelle Obama. Blackie O, you know Michelle is a tranny. <laughs> Robin Quivers, bitch, you look like a fucking mudslide. <laughs> I hate Houston. It's crawling with bugs. Oh, wait, that's Whitney Houston. <laughs> you know, my favorite, my favorite... Exactly, but that's the person we find to be a national treasure. I'm just saying the line is kind of blurred. And some of its context, you know, um, because somebody is perceived to have conservative politics, which I think I've said, uh, it's at least questionable in my case. Right. Because somebody is perceived to have conservative politics, there are different rules. You can't make jokes... But you should get off the Trump train. Because oh, for, a guy, on, for a guy who fabulous. loves free speech, he's fabulous. For a guy who loves free speech, you have picked a weird. No, 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 no. That he's is not. not come no, 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 no. I don't have time to debate that. No, we Thanks for coming on. We'll do it again. All right. You know, there is a dance when you're somebody that has a platform. You know, if you give someone else access to your platform, you are legitimizing them in some way. So it's like, yes, it's like let the let the best idea win or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, would this person even have a platform without you giving them it? You're giving this person oxygen, you know? So it's like, sure, you don't want to cut, cut off free speech or whatever, but when it comes to, like, fascism, when it comes to this kind of behavior, totalitarianism, they want to just get in, slither in there, and then cut off that behind them. They don't, they don't want to have any debate once they get in power. You know, they just want it to be their way. So, I mean, there's, you know, yeah. the debate to be had and, about and that. Is, I mean, free speech, free speech only, that's, that's, a, that's a government, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The government can't restrict your free right. speech. Right, that's First Bill Amendment, Maher right? Or The Daily Show, mm -hmm. they can, they can, they don't have to give you a no. platform. Mm -mm. <clears throat> and, and it'd be, and it'd be another thing, <clears throat> if, if, the, if the Rob Burgess show were to have Tommy Lauren on or something like that, and I, I'm not recommending it. Number one, she wouldn't do it. No. Number two, I don't recommend it. No. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, if, if, if a show like with, with the listenership or the viewership of ours or, you know, something comparable to us were to do that, I don't think that's so egregious. Mm. But when you have a mainstream 
million people audience thing like Bill Maher has or like uh, The Daily Show has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to bring a fringe, right-wing, racist, conspiracy theorist, you know, provoca- provocateur mm-hmm. like those people on your show, you are legitimizing them. Mm-hmm. Please welcome Tommy Laren. I'm in the lion's den, Trevor. I'm not a lion at all. Is that like an African thing? No. Um, <laughs> welcome to the show. Before we get into it, uh, I, I know who you are because I, I, my Facebook feed has you in it. Uh, there are a lot of people who don't, so if you don't know Tommy Laren, this is a little taste of her show. The protesters are still out in force, but let's be honest, they're not protesters. They're crybabies with nothing better to do than meander around the streets with their participation trophies and false sense of purpose. This isn't for Hillary. I'm not even sure this is against Trump. It's the same thing we've seen time and time again with these so-called protesters and demonstrators. It started with the Occupy Wall Street brats, moved on to the more militant and overtly aggressive Black Lives Matter more crowd, cycled through the DNC paid violence instigators, and now here we are in November of 2016 with President-elect Donald Trump and a crowd of misfit babies formed from every failed movement, all sandwiched together to become the largest group of whiners the country has ever seen. All right. Pretty much covers it, doesn't it, Trevor? Quick question. Like, why are you so angry? I'm actually not that angry. It's just there's things that need to be said, Trevor, and a lot of people are afraid to say them. In an angry way, I mean, you can't say you're not angry, and, I mean, this is is what you're known for. It's a strange thing to say, I'm not angry, but that is the one thing. It's like Ellen saying, I don't like dancing. It's like, yeah, you do, Ellen, you do. (laughs) You, you, You are angry about everything, it seems. Sometimes people just need to be called in their... You know, I mean, when... What, what, when you say your though, what in particular? Well, this is the, this is the thing. protesting a, you know, fair and free election, that, to me, you, you know, you get called in your a little bit. It's time to clear the streets. It's time to accept reality. It's time to move on. Time to make America great again. You consider yourself a conservative? I do. Okay. I mean, I'm a millennial, so I don't really like labels. But, yes, I'm conservative in thought. <laughs> Sorry, my brain... You just gave a label to say you don't like labels. But anyway, um... We exist on a spectrum, No, Trevor. no, no. I mean, I, no, would you no, consider no. yourself a I, I liberal? You. That, was just, a... that was just funny. That was just funny. It was just a funny moment. I'm a millennial. Um, it surprised you. It's just, it's just funny. Um, in terms of Black Lives Matter, like, you know, you have quite a record. For somebody who is not racist, you have to spend a lot of time saying, I'm not racist. Uh, what is your biggest issue with Black Lives Matter? I think, and I've said this many times, it started with good intentions. I think it was. It was well-intentioned. The moment that they started pushing hands up, don't shoot, which is a false narrative, proven time and time again to be a false narrative, the minute that that became their slogan, the minute that protesting turned into rioting and looting and burning and militant actions, that's when I lost respect for Black Lives Matter. Okay, but now here's my thing. Let's address each of these things one by one. When you go protesting, turning into rioting and looting, that's not a Black Lives Matter phenomenon. That is what happens when there is a protest a lot of the time. There were people who rioted and looted when teams won in Chicago years ago. It doesn't mean that they are now bad people. That's what happens. There are some bad people in every instance. Going back to Black Lives Matter, though, for you to say that, you say they have good intentions, they had the good intentions. How are you labeling out the actions of a few and condemning an entire group? Because I don't understand that. they subscribe to the Black Lives Matter movement. They say, we are the Black Lives Matter movement. Fry them like bacon. F the police. They're these saying are a few people. Things. These are a few people. This is not the Black these Lives are, Matter... Are... Pro- that, that is not the platform, though. I saw it in my, my city of Dallas. I saw what a Black Lives Matter protest looked like. And I saw five fallen officers because of it. 
So that's, I've not, seen... that's not that's not fair. And that's true. No, 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 that's, no. It is fair, Trevor, that's, because that's the shooter not... said. Point blank, Shooter said he's doing this because of Black Lives Matter. Yes, and there are many things you can say. I mean, if you go outside, you can say anything about doing something because of you cannot deny that the man had mental issues as well and he was in a tough place. Just because you say the thing doesn't mean it's what it stands for, right? Because you're the same person. You're the same person who argued on your show that just because Donald Trump has supporters from the KKK doesn't mean he's in the KKK. So it goes against that argument. You can't say he did it because of. No, but he, the shooter, said, I Yes, but Black Lives Matter has never said go out and shoot people. I'm saying you're saying this to your audience, and I honestly do not understand where you're getting that from. Just because a person... What if somebody says, I felt emboldened by Tommy Lahren, and so I went out and I shot black people? Are you now responsible? Is that your platform? It's not one or two people. If you look at it, if you look at it in every city, look at the protests that have gone on in Baltimore, in Ferguson, in New York City, the protests that have now turned to anti-Trump protests. These are not a few people. This is mass crowds of people. They're doing it in the name of Michael Brown. They're doing it in the name of Freddie Gray. They're doing it as the front of Black Lives Matter, and the mainstream media is emboldening these people. Okay, so then let's use that same logic that you're using then and then go, police, are the police racist? Because police, in many cities, you look at Baltimore, you look at what happened in New York, you look at what happened in the case of Walter Scott, you tell me are police racist because they've been shown to harass black people unfairly, they've been shown to shoot black people when they're unarmed. Does that mean the police are racist then? Because that's the same logic you're using. It's really not, though, Trevor, because the mainstream media is not emboldening them as a group. It's not. And did you know that a black man is 18.5 times more likely to shoot a police officer than a police officer is to shoot a black man? Those are statistics no one wants to talk about. Here's the thing. So, so let me ask you this then. If you say, as you said when you walked out, I'm not as mean as people think I am, I'm not the person that people think I am, uh, what do you wish people would understand about you that are in another bubble? What do you wish people would understand about you on the other side? I wish that we could disagree with each other without thinking that we are bad people or ill-intentioned folks. So because I criticize a black person or I criticize the Black Lives Matter movement, that doesn't mean that I am anti-black. It does not mean that I don't like black people or that I'm a racist. It means I'm criticizing a movement. I criticize Colin Kaepernick. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in his First Amendment rights. It means that I believe in my First Amendment rights to criticize him. So it doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me a racist to point out. I mean, I've never used racial slurs to address people. I've never looked down on someone because of their skin color. To me, true diversity is diversity of thought, not diversity of color. I don't see color. I go after Hillary Clinton and she is white as they come. You don't, you don't see color. So what do you do at a traffic light? Um, I don't believe in that at all when people say that. There's nothing wrong with seeing color. It's how you treat color that's more important. You're right. It is. Here's here's my thing. Like, all these points that you make are great. And I do believe that you believe them. And I don't believe anyone is actively trying. There are a few people who are trying to be bad from their point of view. Uh, But when I look at what you're saying, you say you're not pushing a a racist narrative. You're not... You're criticizing. Do you really believe you're criticizing and you're not malintentioned when you say things like Black Lives Matter is the new KKK? Because you realize Black Lives Matter can't be the new KKK. The KKK is still around. (laughs) They have not vacated their premises. And most importantly... To say Black Lives Matter is the new KKK is to, like, to really, really minimize what the KKK did and what they stand for. That is not the same thing. You, surely you understand the incendiary like, feeling of your comments. You know that, surely. 
It's controversial, but I think there are some things that need to be said. When the Black Lives Matter movement is going out with signs saying, fry them like bacon, F the police, when they're going out seeing if you see a white person target them, that is happening, Trevor. That happened in Milwaukee not too long ago. That is happening. So when that, that now becomes the narrative and you're starting to loot, burn, and riot, what did the KKK do? That is not, look, we'll go around in circles. Did you say, what did the KKK do? No, what did they do? When you're saying, wow. listen, listen, Trevor. Wow. Trevor. When you're saying, when there are people in the street saying, if you see a white person beat their ass, does that not sound reminiscent of the KKK or their motives to you? Is that the narrative of Black Lives Matter or are there people who are saying that within a crowd of other human beings? There is a distinction between a movement and the people. That is something that we keep coming back to. But let's go back to what you were saying on Colin Kaepernick and, and the national anthem. This is, this is something I don't understand. And I, when I watch your videos, I go, I truly do not understand. You say, Colin Kaepernick is exercising his First Amendment rights, and you are exercising your First Amendment rights in criticizing him. Mm -hmm. So what you are saying is, you have the right to say anything you want, so shut up. No, not at all. I'm saying I don't agree with what he did. Yes. I think that he went about it the wrong way. I don't think he understands. What is the right way? When people say that, I'm always fascinated. What is the right way? Here's so, the deal. So, so here's a black man in America who says, I don't know how to get a message across. If I march in the streets, people say I'm a thug. If I go out and I protest, people say that it's a riot. If I bend down on one knee, then it's not. What is the right way? That is something I've always wanted to know. What is the right way for a black person to get attention in America? Taking it out. Trevor, taking it out on our flag and our national anthem, to me... But how? Why would you take out your perceived oppression of black people out on the national anthem and our flag? A country that you live in, a country that you benefit from, a country that people of all races have died for, have died to protect, have died for the vote, died to be enfranchised by this nation. How do you then go and disrespect the flag and the anthem of that country? Well, why is that the outlet? Well, maybe you're a person who's lived and read through history and you realize that a lot of those people of every color who died for this country, some of them didn't have the rights that their fellow servicemen had when they came back to the country after and fighting And that flag for. means a lot maybe, to those folks, too. Maybe you're one of those people who realizes that the penal system in America was designed to oppress black people. It was designed to enslave people. It is a relic of slavery. Maybe you're one of those people. So what I don't understand is a guy is kneeling in the corner. I don't understand why that offends you so much. It's not even like he's trying to sing over you. If he was doing that, he's like, oh, say, oh, say, can me see? No. He's singing. He's not, he's not doing anything that affects you. I don't understand why it gets to you. I genuinely don't. He's in a corner kneeling by himself. Why does that offend you so much? For me, I know what that flag means to me. I know what that flag means to those that are fighting for our country right now. It's bigger than a piece of cloth. It's a symbol of patriotism. Our national anthem has meant a lot to a lot of people. It's got a lot of people through very hard times. In this country, it's got its scars, it's got its wounds, it's got its, its history, but I still believe it's the greatest nation on the face of the earth, and I believe if you live in this country, you can want to better it. But to disrespect our flag and our anthem in that way and not be your outlet to get out whatever aggression you have, whether it be passive or active aggression, I disagree with it. And so he has every right to do it. That's his First Amendment rights, and I, and I agree with his First Amendment right to do it. I don't agree with what he did. So because I don't agree with what he did, then now I should shut up? Because I'm white, so I should shut up? I shouldn't be able to talk about black issues because I'm white? No one brought, no one brought up uh, white at all. I, I never said that. I don't see color. I, <laughs> I don't think that that's what the argument is. What I'm saying is, I asked you one question, and that is, how should a black person bring up their grievances? That's all I ask, how? If that's not the right way, if marching isn't the right way, what is the right way? When you talk, when, what he said was he is protesting the anthem and the flag because of the oppression of black people yes. in this country. I would like him 
to further explain what he's talking about when he's discussing the black oppression in this country. Which he has. Also, is it against police? Is it against the government? I'm not sure what oppression he's discussing. I would love to have him come on my show and discuss it with me. To me, when you make the flag and you make the anthem the outlet for your anger or the outlet through which you're going to protest your country that you live in and you reside in that you take $19 million a year from, I don't think that that is the correct outlet for your anger. So, so, so what is he protesting? So he's... Again, you haven't answered my question of how. How you want so black I'm, people. Uh, I'm just asking how. And I'm asking you honestly, I'm not saying in a challenging way. I'm saying to you, I don't know the answer apart from these methods. So I would like to know if you've ever thought of a how, because you're the first person I've met who said this. I've seen this message online. I'm not labeling you as the bad person. I just want to know if you've ever thought of the how. That's all I want to know. For me, I think there are a lot of folks in this country, I being a woman, um, I didn't have rights in after black people until women got the right to vote. But because I feel like I'm a woman and I'm marginalized in some way, I don't protest my country. I don't see what he's protesting. I would like to know exactly what he is so, protesting. It's a very... So how do you... No, no. How do you protest then? That's what I I'm don't about. protest because I'm not a victim. I guess we can, we can go back and forth on a lot of these issues. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting place to be in because, honestly, you, you've won, you know? Like, your side has won, as you say. You know, the liberal snowflakes are, are melting in the streets as they protest. <laughs> and now I would like to know from your side, genuinely, as someone who's won, do you believe that Donald Trump will follow through on his promises? I will be a vocal opponent if he doesn't. I am not somebody that gets on the cheerleading bandwagon. If he does something I disagree with, I will discuss it. I did before I was a Trump supporter. I was critical of Trump. I was a Marco Rubio girl for a long time. And then I started to see that was going to be our nominee, and I said, it's, it's him or Hillary. A lot of Americans were in that position. Yeah. And then I got closer to the campaign, and I started seeing some of the things he was saying, and I started seeing the effect he was having on people and the things that he was saying that was touching people and making them he feel like He was touching they... people. Yeah, he was. He really was. Hillary could use some of that every now and then, right? Bill's a little busy. Bill's a little busy. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Trevor. It is uh, a conversation we should continue having. Uh, having. You can find uh, Tommy's final thoughts at facebook.com slash Tommy Laren. Tommy Laren, everybody. Right. And it's, you know, and it's it's another thing. I've been frustrated with, you know, with uh, Jimmy Kimmel or whoever it is or w who's the guy who has a late night show where he had Donald Trump on me. Oh, sure. Or whatever, and just yeah. Mm -hmm. Having a good time with the guy, having a joke at his expense so he looks like he's just a normal fella. Mm -hmm. Donald, I, I want to ask you because the next time I see you, 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 you could be the president of the United States. I just wanted to know if there's something we could do that's just not presidential really or something that, that we can do now that we're just both civilians. Like... <laughs> like what? This is... I'm, I'm not liking the sound of this. <laughs> Go ahead. Can I mess your hair up? <laughs> I'm being gentle. I'm being gentle. So... <laughs> Thank you. As long... <laughs> the answer is yes, but the people in New Hampshire, where I'm going to be in about an hour from now, I hope they're going to understand. Okay. <laughs> you say yes? Go ahead. With my hair spot. <laughs> yes! Donald Trump, everybody! I'll do it as well. Donald Trump, everybody! 
know, uh, and you know, and uh, Saturday Night Live. You know, sure. I mean, as as much as Saturday Night Live is doing a great job right now, they let him host a whole episode during the campaign, so they have you know, and they had him on several times. They had him on several times. Sure. In in addition to the hosting, yeah, and you know, that's you know, you let him accept a few jokes at his own expense, and he looks Mm -hmm. like a human being and stuff, and. yeah, it's it's disgusting. It's it's uh they 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 need to understand their responsibility. I mean, like I mean, they don't have a responsibility. They're a company, they're a corporation, or whatever. Yeah. But if if like, like I've always said, if if I'm a if I'm a Hispanic American, if I'm, I'm an immigrant, I'm watching Saturday Night Live, and they're just slapping this guy on the back when when I know what he's saying about my people. Yeah. It's unforgivable. Right? Disgusting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, this this I leads into uh, another topic, I guess. Uh, <laughs> is it okay to punch a Nazi? <laughs> yes. yes <laughs> All right, next is. topic. So. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, like this is where this is where we are. I've given conferences for for ages, and uh, we'll usually expect some protesters. They'll do silly string or something like that. We've entered this new world where the leftist Nazi? protesters. No, like I'm not a neo-Nazi. You like black people? Well, why do you? Neo-Nazis don't love me. They kind of hate me. Actually, they those people don't like me. Are you like the hipster version of the neo-Nazi movement? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. Remember when they asked, like, when they asked Jeb Bush or something during the primary, if you could go back and kill Baby Pepe, would you do it? He's like, oh, absolutely. I totally, yeah, yeah, of course I would. Everybody's like, yeah, right answer, man. What are we doing here? I heard uh, you're here to talk about your emails. So, oh, I got uh, your a few. email address on Reddit today. Is that right? I don't know if it's Reddit or not, but good God. What's the uh, What's the funniest or most bizarre email that you've gotten? So I'll just I'll I gotta figure out which ones are not X-rated. That's Baby. the <laughs> That's Baby the only Hitler. problem. Baby Hitler. Baby Hitler. We have a request for Baby Hitler. <laughs> I said if you could go back in time and kill Baby Hitler, would you? I need to know. And Hell yeah, I would. <laughs> Even if he was really cute. No, look, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta step up, man. I mean, that's that would be key. Problem with going back in history and doing that is, as we know from the uh, series, what was the name of the Michael Fox movies? Back to the Future. Back to the Future. It has a, it could have a dangerous effect that's on true. on everything There's else. A lot so. to consider but I'd do it. I mean, okay. Hitler. Well, you're down. I mean, there's no backing out now. Even though this guy's pro-life, pro, pro right? He's like, yeah, I can kill a baby. No, no, Jeb, it wasn't that baby. That's not Hitler. You just killed the wrong baby. <laughs> oops. I, know, I think that was... Who said oops? That was that other guy. Oh, uh, that was uh, Rick Perry. That You mean the guy in charge of the nuclear yeah. weapons, Rick Perry? <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was going to be oil promotion. What are you talking about? I got to control the nukes. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> they, they asked Donald Trump about the the, the 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 three parts of the nuclear, you know, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. One time he's all like, uh, "I think the the the, the destructive the destruction of nuclear is very important to me." <laughs> and like that was his answer. <laughs> it's like. 
how do we how do we get here? Do we, do we deserve this? Do we ask for this? Did we, did we cross an Indian burial ground at some point? <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is a monkey's paw type situation. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Osama bin Laden, man, he might have won. Mm. You know? <laughs> He's dead and stuff, and Al-Qaeda is like, it's no ISIS anymore. But look at where we are in yeah. the country now. Yeah, We've got an utter incompetence under the control of Russia leading us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think that Osama bin Laden could have dreamed this in his wildest fantasy. <laughs> this is where America would be at this point in 2017. Yeah. Well, there was a uh, Onion article I saw the other day, and the headline was uh, ISIS's new plan just to sit back and watch America destroy itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's pretty much all they've got to do. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that we are uh, we're in a very bad place. So, anyway, thanks for I the cheery note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here we go back down to the. Well, there's no, there's no, I don't know. There's no happy way to talk about the things that are going on in America right now. I guess. Yeah. Um, you find a TV show you like. <laughs> play some Pokemon Go. <laughs> I mean, this this is what you can do in Trump's America in 2017. You know? Yeah. Find some other interests, but um. But I heard uh, in other Russian news, I heard that a Russian spy ship is about 30 kilometers off. Oh, yeah. I can't believe we didn't talk about that yet. Yeah. It's, that's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, and Donald Trump during his press conference said like something like, like what do you want me to do? You want me to blow that ship up? I guess I could do that and you guys would be happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and Putin's going, yet, yet, yet. No, Trump, you're going off the script. <laughs> You hear that Russian uh, server pinging from here. It's like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. I guess one of the reasons I'm here today is to tell you the whole Russian thing, that's a ruse. That's a ruse. And by the way, it would be great if we could get along with Russia, just so you understand that. Now, tomorrow you'll say, Donald Trump wants to get along with Russia. This is terrible. It's not terrible. It's good. We had Hillary Clinton try and do a reset. We had Hillary Clinton give Russia 20% of the uranium in our country. You know what uranium is, right? It's a thing called nuclear weapons and other things, like lots of things are done with uranium, including some bad things. Nobody talks about that. I didn't do anything for Russia. I've done nothing for Russia. Hillary Clinton gave them 20% of our uranium. Hillary Clinton did a reset, remember, with the stupid plastic button that made us all look like a bunch of jerks? Here, take a look. He looked at her like, what the hell is she doing with that cheap plastic button? Hillary Clinton, that was a reset. Remember it said reset? Now, if I do that, oh, I'm a bad guy. If we could get along with Russia, that's a positive thing. We have a very talented man, Rex Tillerson, who's going to be meeting with them shortly. And I told him, I said, I know politically it's probably not good for me. Hey, the greatest thing I could do is shoot that ship that's 30 miles offshore right out of the water. Everyone in this country is going to say, oh, it's so great. That's not great. That's not great. I would love to be able to get along with Russia. Now, you've had a lot of presidents that haven't taken that tack. Look where we are now. Look where we are now. So, if I can. Now, I love to negotiate things. I do it really well and all that stuff. But, but it's possible I won't be able to get along with Putin. 
Maybe it is. But I want to just tell you, the false reporting by the media, by you people, the false, horrible, fake reporting makes it much harder to make a deal with Russia. And probably Putin said, you know, he's sitting behind his desk and he's saying, you know, I see what's going on in the United States. They follow it closely. It's going to be impossible for President Trump to ever get along with Russia because of all the pressure he's got with this fake story, okay? And that's a shame, because if we could get along with Russia — and by the way, China and Japan and everyone — if we could get along, it would be a positive thing, not a negative thing. So, yeah, so what is a Russian spy ship doing off of America at this, at this particular moment in history? Mm -hmm. We may never know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, we can guess. We can speculate. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, meanwhile, they're buzzing. Uh, the Russian Russian planes are buzzing our, you know, troops, and they're violating missile treaties. And no, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Nothing to yeah. see here. <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's uh, this guy is gonna. I don't know. Well, yeah. I heard that I did hear. I think I read somewhere that American warships are moving closer to Iran, mm -hmm. which is. Stupid. Yeah. Seems stupid to me. And they're talking about, uh, were they talking about putting American troops in Yemen or where are they? Oh, about well, Yemen? Yemen won't allow us in to Iraq. put troops anymore because of that disastrous uh, uh, raid that, that Trump uh, executed and basically was tweeting in the middle of his security briefing when he wasn't in the situation room uh, for, which got a uh, American SEAL killed and a, and a little girl in Yemen, and now they won't allow us back to do missions there. So... Unless we're, I guess we're just going to go yeah. in and do what we want anyway. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's an, um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I I don't think you know. I don't know. Al Qaeda is in Yemen in certain parts, mm -hmm. and some people have allowed themselves to believe that the Houthis or whatever are financed and inspired by the by the Iranians, which I think from everything I've ever seen, that's wildly overblown. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're quite independent from Iran. They, they've received some support, but not as much as most people have been led to believe. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't see why we're uh, taking part in this operation, really. Mm -hmm. uh, frankly, yeah, and and th and this is another thing that confuses me because and this is, this is maybe like some sort of a there's, there's like a little bit of a thing with the theory that Trump is you know doing everything at the behest of Russia. Then why would he be wanting to escalate with Iran? I mean, aside from the fact that all Republicans at all times everywhere want to escalate with Iran, why does Trump want to do that? Because Iran is, you know, a they're connected with Russia, and they they're allied with Russia and stuff. So, like, Russia probably doesn't want us to do anything to Iran. So why? I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's an explanation for that, but I don't know what it is right now. But it's just kind of an interesting thing to consider. Why would we? Why are we looking to go to war with Iran potentially if Russia would not definitely not want us to do that? Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait till Trump figures out that Iran and uh, Russia are allies. That's going to be an interesting day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess speaking of the Middle East, did you see the press conference with Netanyahu? 
Uh, Bibi and Trump, you mean? Yeah, well, Trump called him Netanyahu. <laughs> you see that? No. In his press conference today, he said something about Netanyahu. <laughs> Dude, it's not Netanyahu. It's Benjamin Netanyahu. God, I can't even say it at this point. Yeah. Well, I, I saw that he referred to the... Laughing and smiling. Yeah. And <laughs> he, I, I don't think he could believe the buffoon that he's standing next to. Didn't he, like, dismiss the two-state solution just in, like, a whim? He's like, oh, two-state, one-state. You know, we'll see how that happens. Who knows? It's like, dude, you're reversing decades of American policy in a whim. Like, what are you doing? It didn't even make any sense. Yeah. He said, um... You know, I don't really care about it. I, I think they're both good, two state, one state. But at the end of the day, I just want to go with the one that everybody likes. I think everybody <laughs> likes the one state solution. Like, no, <laughs> not everyone. No, no. <laughs> Israel likes that. Probably uh, likely Zionist, you know, uh, evangelical Christians in America like that. Um, but Palestinians don't like that. So if you're wondering, like, the two sides like this, they don't like that. Um, if you want, like, the rest of the international community who always tries to, like, uh, put sanctions or, you know, censure Israel for their violations that the United Nations Security Council doesn't like that. Mr. President, uh, in your vision for the new Middle East peace, are you ready to give up of the notion of two-state solution that was adopted by previous administration? And will you be willing to hear different ideas from the prime ministers as some of his partners are asking him to do, for example, annexation of parts of the West Bank and unrestricted settlement constructions. And one more question, are you going to fulfill your promise to move the U.S. Embassy in Israel to Jerusalem, and if so, when? And Mr. Prime Minister, did you come here tonight to tell Mr. the, the President that you are backing off the two-state solution? Thank you. So I'm looking at two-state and one-state. And I like the one that both parties like. I'm very happy with the one that both parties like. I can live with either one. Uh, I thought for a while the two-state looked like it may be the easier of the two. But honestly, if Bibi and if the Palestinians, if Israel and the Palestinians are, are happy, I'm happy with the one they like the best. As far as the embassy moving to Jerusalem, uh, I'd love to see that happen. We're looking at it very, very strongly. Uh, we're looking at it uh, with uh, great care, great care, believe me. Uh, and we'll see what happens, okay? Hey, what do you mean everybody likes the one-state solution? What are you talking about? I don't think he understands. Like, I, don't, I don't think he knows what he's saying. I don't think he knows what... I think maybe Benjamin Netanyahu said during a meeting, maybe, that, oh, everybody agrees with this one. Like, and he didn't even, like, think mm -hmm. about what the Palestinians might want or something. Right. Of course, Republicans are never going to think about what the Palestinians sure. might want. But, but that's the thing about Trump is he just repeats whatever the last person he talked to said. I mean, apparently that's the thing with him. It's just like whoever was last person in the room with him, that's who has his ear. It's just like he'll hear somebody say something, and then he'll just repeat it immediately. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, that's, I, I don't know. <clears throat> He did say, like, he wanted him to hold off on the, you know, settlement expansion because after Trump got elected, Netanyahu yeah, tried to, like, approve, like, something like 5,000 new settlements or something like that in the West Bank, which mm -hmm. is insane. Um, so, I don't know. Some Somebody must have gotten to him on that a little bit and said, hey, you can't just give these guys whatever they want over there. You can't move the... 
you, you, you can't say that we're going to move the, the embassy to Jerusalem, right, from Tel Aviv or whatever. I mean, like, uh, it's, I, I feel bad right now because I feel like we're having a long conversation on the podcast, and I feel like I'm sounding furious and exasperated and frustrated and, you know, the whole time. I mean, I don't know. What can you do? This is this is the situation we're living in, and this is like, I, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're being governed by a guy who is like a kid who didn't read the book, and now he's trying to give a presentation in front of the class <laughs> on pretty much every single issue that comes across his plate. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, as somebody who reads the news every day and doesn't just, you know, watch the Morning Joe or whatever, like Trump says, I, it's frustrating to see somebody who... Yeah, I... <laughs> you know, Republicans are going to love this. They're like, oh, the libs are having an aneurysm over this guy. I love it. But uh, why? But it's like, we're, we're worried about the future of the world. Like, this isn't like... it's It's gone beyond this. I can't believe... People are still framing it as a left-right partisan, you know, Democrat-Republican left-right. I don't care if this is a Republican. I mean, it's it's sad that the Republicans let themselves come to this, but like, it's like it doesn't even matter to me anymore. It's just like this is a, an emergency, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it should be beyond partisan, but it, it has not transcended mm-hmm. the partisan at this point. Um, Republicans, I don't know. But I'd like to think if the shoe were on the other foot. If this was the Democrats, that I would be saying the same thing. I don't. I don't. I don't think I would be. It, it seems. It seems incomprehensible to me that anyone's still clinging to their partisan teams right now. It's like if if this was the Democrat. Of course, I don't see the Democrats doing this somehow. It just doesn't seem like it's something that would happen. But if it was, I yeah. feel like it would be just as much of an emergency to me. So. Yeah. No, Trump. Trump, Trump knew exactly which party to choose to, to go ahead and do this, try to pull this shit show with. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Wouldn't have worked with the Democrats, wouldn't have worked on our side, and if it had, if they had somebody who was this manifestly unqualified, you could damn sure bet he would not be getting universal Democratic support. Oh, yeah. I mean, Democrats don't give universal support. I mean, mm-hmm. we had the, you know, Obama had two years of total control of the government, and he didn't get things done because Democrats couldn't pull it together mm-hmm. because they didn't all agree on everything. Yeah. It's it's weakness in a way, but it's also the fact that uh, these people are, you know, to some yeah. degree they're responding to special interests, to some degree they're responding to their domestic, their local, you know, all politics is local or whatever, but the demands of their, their base to some degree, some of these are what do they call it? Blue dog Democrats or red dog? What, what? Uh, blue. I think yeah, right. Blue dog Democrats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, these are Democrats that are in red states, and they have to they have to toe the line in a certain different way just to maintain their position in their home state. Mm-hmm. But but I don't know. I I just I think the Democrats need to become monolithic, you know, they need to harden, to present a united front, punish dissenters mercilessly, and and, and the thing is, I think that would actually almost help Democrats, like blue dog Democrats, right, because because part of what Republican voters are responding to, I think, is the show of strength. They like to see a strong leader, and they like to see somebody who, you know, sticks to their guns and does what they want, and like, and, you know, accomplishes things. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And the, the Republicans' insistence on not giving Obama an inch for eight years has paid off in spades now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the lesson. That's one lesson that the Democrats can take out of this whole mess. I don't know that they will, but yeah. Well, they, they've gotten nowhere trying to extend their hand across the aisle. Um, and, you know, if you want to take it back to why people are Democrats or people are Republicans, I think that people that are more ha- that are happy being a cog in the, in the wheel, the larger project, probably are going to be Republicans. So, I mean, Republicans know how to fall in line because that's in their DNA to do that. So when somebody like Trump comes along who's manifestly unqualified, should be expelled from the party and should never be anywhere close to the presidency. It's like they don't know how to how to expel that virus from their system. They have no immune system for that because all they know how to do is get in line and, and help the team get it, come in for the big win. They don't know how to buck their own party or, or try to exert some kind of control. It's like they don't know how to do it. Yeah. So Yeah. We're going to win so much you're going to get sick of winning. Okay? <laughs> is this winning because I'm sick of it? Whatever this is, I'm sick of it. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. This is this is not winning. How did Charlie Sheen say this is? I think we're by winning right now. By winning. <laughs> I think that's what he said back around 2011. Oh yeah. He went off the rocker. Oh yeah. Hello. Hey, what's up? Yeah, hey, we got cut off there. Yeah, it was weird. It was also, I noticed, because uh, I'm recording, on my recorder, it has a timer, and that was almost exactly at the two-hour mark. I wonder what's up with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Russia did something, probably. Yeah. They hacked the phone. Probably. <laughs> you want to say anything to our Russian counterparts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We come in peace. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So we're saying like the Democrats don't know how to. Well, it's just not in their. De- I mean, that's why they're Democrats. They aren't. They aren't people that fall in line with things as easily. So I mean, I don't think that's in their DNA. But it's to their detriment. Like you said, it doesn't help them to be that way. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, you got to. What did Beyonce say? Get in formation, right? <laughs> that's right. It's time. <laughs> it's time to like you know. Form a shield, form a phalanx, whatever you want to say. Phalanx, however you pronounce it. Twenty yeah. words I always see written and never spoken. But um, yeah, the Democrats. You know, these, these, I, I forget which which Democrats had voted to approve certain ones of uh, Trump's people. Mm-hmm. Disgraceful. I think most of them have crossed the line on a couple things, uh, but I think there's one senator, I think it's uh, Kristen Gillibrand or something, I think that's how you say her name, from New York. She's uh, voted no on every single one. Everyone else has buckled on at least one. So Yeah, that's, that's not how we do this thing, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not how, you know, that's how, that's how Obama got kneecapped in the first two years, and that's how... Uh, that's how we lose. <laughs> yeah, on, on the upside, uh, the uh, labor secretary pick had to res- withdraw his nomination because, uh, well, that was more because the Republicans lost support. But the Democrats did hold firm on that, you know, and, and that caused it to, you know, kind of tumble downhill. Also, apparently he showed up on Oprah, or no, his, his uh, ex-wife showed up on Oprah back uh, in the 90s uh, saying how that she had been domestically abused by this guy. So that was an interesting wrinkle. Once I made that break and once I made it 
public and remember my ex-husband was a public figure. Everyone knew him and knew what he was doing. And once I made that public, he, he vowed revenge. He said, I will see you in the gutter. This will never be over. You will pay for this. I wound up losing everything, mm -hmm. everything. I have nothing. He has a Porsche and a Mercedes-Benz. He has the home. He has everything. He was an attorney, and he knew how to play the, the, the system. Mm -hmm. I was married for 14 years. But it wasn't until one day I realized this had nothing to do with God, as you just said. Um, uh, in positions like that, don't leave marks. The damage that I sustained, you can't see. It's, it's permanent. Now, is this the guy? This was the guy. This is the, the fast food magnate guy, right? Carl's Jr., Hardy's CEO. I'm blanking yeah. on his name, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm never eating at Hardy's again. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Boycott Hardy's hashtag. That's fine. So. I can I can hashtag do that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, actually, I don't even know where a Hardy's is anymore. Like, I mean, when I used to drive out to my grandparents' house in uh, in like Western Indiana and stuff, like, uh -huh. I mean, there was a Hardy's somewhere along the way, but I don't even know if it's still open. I don't think like three years ago, two years ago, when I was in America, I don't think it was still open or something. So. Mm -hmm. You know, Hardy's, Hardy's is, you know, failing, failing Hardy's, mm -hmm. right? Like the New York Times. Sad. <laughs> losing losing yeah, readership. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody even eats there anymore. That's right. They, 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 they get fake, fake hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so very disappointed in that guy. So he, he sounds like he's a domestic abuser. So he, I think he realized that, oh shit, Oprah. Speaking of Oprah, Oprah, in the early 90s or maybe even the late 80s, she had had Donald Trump on her show a couple times. Yeah. She had talked to him and said, like, mm -hmm. have you seen these videos where she's like, you should think about running for president. Yeah, I think I played a clip of that on a previous episode when we were talking about it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know exactly what she said, but she encouraged the guy. Uh, just so, just so well, she sounded like so impressed by him when he was talking. She's like, "Oh, this sounds like presidential talk." Blink, blink, blink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, we, you know, a lot of people have a little bit of blame in this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But but credit to Oprah for doing what she did and saying, "Hey, mm -hmm. I've got video of this guy's wife saying he's a bad man." Actually, I don't know I if she was the one that came forward. I think it was actually one of the other women that was on the same show with uh, that episode. So I don't know if that was Oprah, but I mean, she didn't shine the light on the issue back in the day, and it's come back around. So you know, but <clears throat> yeah, Oprah's not been on our side for a while. She gave uh, a lot of play to that uh, PRMC, PMRC, uh, Tipper Gore, uh, Lynn Cheney group that was trying to censor. Her music back in the day too, so you know she has uh, she doesn't blame uh, to take responsibility for for that too. So, well, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have a grudging respect for for Oprah. I, I know I don't. Sometimes I, I don't go in for a lot of the woo woo stuff that she's into, kind of. But uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think her heart's in the right place, basically, and you know I don't know. We'll see, but whatever. <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah. So anyways, yeah, that guy, that guy, his, he withdrew his nomination. I, I don't know if that was because he realized that the Republicans were not going to fully support him, mm -hmm. or if he realized that, oh shit, people still remember the stuff that my wife was saying on TV mm -hmm. almost thirty years ago. That, yeah. like, uh, and I, you know, and I don't want to drag this shit back up again, or what. And I, I heard that there was another military guy who was tapped by. 
yeah. uh, Trump to do something, and he said, no, I'm not going into this White House right now. It's too much chaos. Oh, the, the quote was better than that. I think Jake Tapper from CNN even reported this out. He said that the uh, the, the official statement, or I don't know if it was official, but he told uh, people that it was a shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw the word chaos ballot about, about there. And Donald Trump, of course, he went on, you know, his, and did his press conference earlier today mm-hmm. where he said, there's no chaos here. And then he proceeded to demonstrate, the, you know, absolute chaos <laughs> on his press conference. As an example, your CNN, I mean, it's story after story after story is bad. I won. I won. And the other thing, chaos. There's zero chaos. We are running. This is a fine-tuned machine. And Reince happens to be doing a good job. But half of his job is putting out lies by the press. You know, I said to him yesterday, they, you know, this whole Russia scam that you guys are building so that you don't talk about the real subject, which is illegal leaks. But I watched him yesterday working so hard to try and get that story proper. And I'm saying, here's my chief of staff, a really good guy, did a phenomenal job at RNC. I mean, he won the election, right? Won the presidency. We got some senators. We got some all over the country. You take a look. He's done a great job. And I said to myself, you know, and I said to somebody that was in there, I said, you take a look at Ryan's. He's working so hard just putting out fires that are fake fires. I mean, they're fake. They're not true. And isn't that a shame? Because he'd rather be working on health care. He'd rather be working on tax reform, Jim. I mean that. Yeah, but I don't I don't blame that guy. I mean, it's it's the it's a weird dance of, you know, you want competent people to be making decisions at a time like this, but who would sign up for that? Like if you had any hope of having a career after this, like just stay this is this ship is going down. Like <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Possibly on a podcast before he even won. Maybe it was after he won. I can't remember, but we said something like... uh, Well, I think it was when he was doing the transition team, putting people together, yeah. So it must have been before. The question was asked. I think you asked the question. Mm -hmm. um, If you're a conservative uh, person who's a competent individual in your realm or whatever, would you accept a position in the Trump administration? And I think I said, hell no. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that that's the correct response because even if you want power, I mean, this guy's not going to last. You know, mm-hmm. He doesn't have staying power. Everybody mm-hmm. connected to this guy is going to go down in shame. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to see that at least one person seems to have made the correct calculation at this point. Said, <laughs> no, I don't want to be involved in this thing. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's good. Yeah, I, I wish we had the guy's name. I actually can't think of the guy's name. Uh, I think it's Harwood. I could probably look it up, but yeah, it was it was somebody that seemed like they were pretty competent, and uh, yeah, didn't want any part of this <laughs> this mess, which I can't really blame them for. You know, I, I can't really come down on anyone too hard for trying to you know CYA at this point. So yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to try to search that terms down position. Um, yeah, well, South Korea still doesn't have a. We we still have an acting president right now. Oh yeah. So yeah, you're, okay, you're right. Robert Robert Harwood turns down position yep. for national security advisor. Yep. And national security advisor that was 
that was Michael Flynn. That was Michael Flynn. Week, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, yeah, this guy doesn't want to be involved. Mm-mm. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, like, like I said, South Korea's, we've got an acting president right now mm-hmm. who's named Hwang, Hwang Kyo-an, I think, is the acting president right now. So did uh, um, the previous one, Bok Toon-hae, did she resign yet? No, she's still fighting it. Um, and what's going on? I haven't been following it too closely as I should, but um, I think that they, I think they're saying that by March 13th, by by March 10th and March 13th of next month, the Constitutional Court of Korea should rule in one way or another about whether she's going to be reinstated as president for the rest of her term, which would be until about December of this year. Mm-hmm. Or whether she's gone and they need to go ahead and prepare to have uh, elections, early elections for the new president, mm-hmm. which is probably what America should do. We should probably have three and a half year early elections for our next president. Oh, heck yeah. Through the regular steps of like, you know, Pence or whoever. Oh my gosh. But um, yeah, but there are a variety of people vying for the next presidency of uh, South Korea. Uh, UN Secretary General until December 31st last year, Ban Ki-moon, he was rumored to be running for the Conservative Party for a long time, but he came back to Korea, and um, his brother, his older brother, one of his brothers was already involved in a bribery or corruption scandal or something like that. I don't know the full details. Don't sue me for blasphemy or, I'm sorry, don't blasphemy. Yeah, Korea is a very lawsuit-friendly place for uh, character assassination uh-huh. issues. But yeah, his his brother was involved in some sort of uh, skullduggery, <laughs> and uh, I think I think America even said, "Don't let this guy be your president" or something. And he eventually bowed out. He said he was he said politics was too disappointing or something in Korea or something. <laughs> and he did not want to be the president here. I think he's angling for like a job at Harvard now or something uh-huh. to be a professor at Harvard or something, which is, you know, I guess that's a step down from the president of the country, but we're right. Um, the, the guy, um, the guy who ran on the liberal side in 2012 and lost, uh, no, 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 what's his name? Moon Jae-in. Mm-hmm. He seems to be the, preferred candidate right now. I think the conservative the conservative party recently split into two different parties. And one party is the pro park party and the other is kind of the anti park party. Mm-hmm. Um, the anti park party is called the Baden 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 Jungdang, I think, which means like I forget what that means actually. But Dong means party basically like political party. And the Liberal Party already sort of split I think there's the the what is it the uh, oh god something Minjudong and then there's another party the People's Party oh god it's it's confusing Anshul Su the software developer is somewhere out there with his own party um, there's a there's I think there's a guy and I only read one article about him but he seems to be an interesting guy he kind of sounds like the Korean Bernie Sanders. Hmm. Um, he, I think he was the mayor of the city of Sungnam, which is a place that I lived for about six months at one job when I was over there. And apparently, he's an older guy, but he, when he was a kid, his family was poor, and he worked in a shop factory, even though he was like 12 or 13 years old or something, so he was like a child laborer and stuff. So he's got this kind of this kind of progressive thing about, you know, work-life balance and 
reducing household debt for Korean families, which is a major problem and stuff, and uh, reining in the uh, reining in the, the the big conglomerates like Samsung and stuff. I think, which is uh, you know that's a that's a that's an issue in Korea, definitely. Um, but um, I was very inspired when I read the article about him. Um, his older brother also had been caught in a corruption scandal or something, and he did not he did not help his brother, mm. which is uh, unheard of in Korea. I mean, it's like uh, it's it's amazing. I was so happy to read that. You know, it seems like a betrayal or something, but like I'm so used to seeing Korean politicians get in trouble for like. You know, somebody in their family does some bullshit with money somewhere, and they like, you know, they get wrapped up in a huge scandal about it. And it sounds like he actually did the ethical thing in that situation. So good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's another left-wing guy from a conservative area in the southeast of Korea, somewhere down near Daegu or Pusan or something. But I, I read his, I read his platform, and it was not very inspiring. I forget the guy's name. Actually, I think it's. Maybe it's on something, or I forget. Actually, I forget his name totally. But um, yeah, there's a lot of people vying for it, and yeah, it's going to be interesting this mm-hmm. year. And within, the, like I said, within the next month, before March 10th, we should know something about what's going to happen with the president. And also today, I saw um, the heir to the Samsung, to the Samsung, basically, um, E.J. Young, I think is his name. He was being investigated for bribery mm-hmm. with the crazy cult that Buck and Hay was involved oh, in. Oh, so this is all connected back to that one thing you were telling me about. Okay. Yeah, it's all still going on. Huh. Um, he was he was being investigated for bribery. He had given lots of money to the Mir organization or something, which was involved with all that and. Uh, and I guess and some of that money ended up helping buy the $100,000 horse or $200,000 horse or something in Germany for the woman's daughter or something. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's hard to, hard to give names and specifics on all this and stuff. But, um, but and I guess the, the, the pro quo for that quid was that the government would approve the merger of Samsung and like Samsung Chael or something, which was like a subsidiary of Samsung that was getting merged back into the main company or something. I I don't know. My eyes gloss over when I talk about like you know, mm-hmm. acquisitions and you know this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So there was some sort of a quid pro quo with some million dollar donations given to the cult, and he was being charged with that. And he was going to be arrested, but then they decided not to arrest him, and so everybody was like breathing a sigh of relief at Samsung, I guess. But today they came back and they arrested him. Mm-hmm. So it, from what I hear, it looks like his sister, Ibu Jin, is her name. Um, the other, she's the she's in charge of the Shilla Hotel, which is a you know a very luxurious hotel in Korea. It looks like she may be the next one in position to take over Samsung if he doesn't maintain control. Mm-hmm. So, so that you know, there's there's corporate intrigue, there's political scandal, there's an election coming up, and there's possibly an impeachment to be confirmed in South Korea these days. Hmm. Well, hopefully in America these days, but um, are people still uh, demonstrating in the street like they were? Oh, constantly, yeah. Hmm. I mean, the demonstrations, and frankly, there have been constant demonstrations in downtown Seoul since 2014, hmm. when the Sewol Ferry disaster happened that killed several hundred high school students and ah. drowned them in the water mm-hmm. in the winter. Um, mm-hmm. It's horrible. Uh, but there have been constant demonstrations in downtown Seoul ever since that. But yeah, the uh, impeachment 
yeah, the impeachment stuff has continued, even in the sub-zero temperatures. Um, this has not been the coldest winter. I mean, it's been a cold winter at times, but it's, it'll be cold for a couple of days, and then it'll be rainy, and then it'll, like, it'll warm up and cool down. And so it's been really hard to uh, stay healthy and everything because it's just been so much up and down temperature. Mm-hmm. But even in the coldest days, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of protesters are out in downtown Seoul protesting. So, although I have heard that there has also been a counter protest going on, mostly amongst the elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I heard there were thirty thousand mostly elderly people protesting to reinstate Park and overturn the uh, the impeachment, which is remarkable because. When I think of the elderly in Korea, I think of, you know, probably a lot of them Christians who are supporting this this uh, conservative party, but mostly conservatives, definitely not people who would be excited about a wacky cult, you know, yeah. through the government. But, but they, they were, like, all crying or something about how, oh, the uh, all these protests against the president remind them of the Korean War, and so it affects them, and they feel unstable, and they feel like the country is a, at risk from North Korea as long as we don't have a strong president in there and stuff. And, you know, we need to just forgive President Park and all this stuff. I mean, I, I read several quotes from them in another source. So. Yeah, or are these people that are maybe nostalgic for her, her father? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's always been a thing. I actually recently, for my birthday, I got a couple movies. And I'll, like, if I, uh, and by the way, uh, I, there's, you know, there's some chance that I may be returning to America at the, later this year. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And if, if I do, I'd love to record a couple episodes, like, in person. So oh, hell yeah, absolutely. Connection or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a couple of movies that I'll bring, and one movie I got was called The President's Last Bang, and this is about the, basically it's about the night of the assassination of mm. President Park Chung-hee in oh, 1979, wow. and the title is kind of a double entendre because he was at a place in the Blue House where he was probably about to have sex with a singer hmm. and a college girl. And so the president's last bang kind of has the meaning of, you know, sex, but also getting shot to death by mm-hmm. his chief of the Korean CIA, mm-hmm. the NIS, mm-hmm. the National Intelligence Service or something. And the, the NIS may have also been involved in the election of his daughter in 2012. Mm-hmm. It was found that members of the NIS had created like up to 70-some dummy accounts where they would go online and post bad things about the opposition party and post good things about President Park, and and they were employed by the secret intelligence agency here. So, hmm. so that, yeah, that, that industry, that, that, uh, that group has always had a connection to the Park family, basically. Hmm. Yeah, anyways, sorry, I'm kind of like rambling, but yeah, there's a lot going on, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Man, my, uh, frankly, I don't know. The past couple of days, my students have been insane. <laughs> <laughs> frankly speaking, not all of them. There's been a couple of incidents, okay? <laughs> like, I don't know if it's like the full moon. Or I don't know what I don't know what it is right now. But like, I don't even know if we have a full moon. But like, okay, so the other day, 
I guess this would have been on, okay, this would have been yesterday on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Like one, this one cranky old woman in my class who's been a student for a long time. She's very particular. Um, she hates most of the teachers at our school. She loves me for some reason. But she passed me a note in class and she says, teacher, can you check the spelling on this or something? And I read the note and it says, teacher, please change my seat because the woman I'm sitting next to smells like soju and I do not like to sit next to her anymore, please. <laughs> something I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> so at break time, we go on break for five minutes and I come back and I'm like, okay, let's mix it up a little bit here. Okay, guys. And I'm like, okay, let me have you, you and you over here. And I'm going to mix, you know, so I change everybody's seats and everything. And then she thanked me profusely later for like doing that gracefully. But the thing is like, she has a really, she's a very, very difficult woman. Frankly, she, fights with a lot of people. She's fought with teachers in the past. She's fought with other students. She's made people cry. She's a, she's a stone cold, hard person to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, and the other woman may have been drunk. I don't know. It's <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning, but the other woman's cool. <laughs> Everybody gets along with it basically. <laughs> so that, that happened. And then today, another fucking crazy thing happened. Um, there's this one guy who came, he didn't come on the first day of this month. He came later. And when he came, you know, we tried to ask him some questions, but he was really mysterious and stuff. I would say he's in his mid to late forties or something, but he's, I think he's unmarried and stuff, which is unusual in Korean society. And he, he, he has some weird thing with boundaries because he just volunteered a lot of really strange information to us. Like he said, like, I own a Hagwon. I own a Hagwon too. I'm a Hagwon owner. Like Hagwon is private institute stuff. So I'm like, I'm like, I kind of joke like, oh, so you're over here at our Hagwon trying to steal our secrets, right? And like, yeah, ha ha ha, <laughs> and stuff. And um, but he said he had it. He used to own another business, but it went bankrupt, and he lost like several million dollars or something. And I'm like, wow, okay, wow. Huh. I don't, but I don't even know if that's true or not. I don't know if he was just bragging or what. But um, hmm. but so anyways, like, to, but he always comes in a little bit late. And he always leaves at the one hour mark. He always says he has to go to his current, his other company at 12 o'clock. So he can't stay for the second hour. So he always leaves early. And it's a little bit disruptive or whatever. And when he's in groups, he like, there's a lot of women in that class. In the morning class and the afternoon class, there's a lot of women in there and stuff. Middle-aged women who are, you know, they, they're housewives or whatever. They don't have a job or whatever. So today, though, he just went off like this, um, he was in a group with two other women and they were supposed to start working on a textbook exercise. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I only found out what happened afterwards because what happened, like I was, I was starting on the other side with the group on the other side of the room at first. And I wasn't really paying attention to what their group was talking about. But according to the woman in the group, he started, he started like doing kind of like a job interview with one of the women in the group or something. Mm-hmm. He was like asking her job interview questions for some reason. And when the group, when the ladies in his group said like, well, look, we kind of got to do this one activity in the book. We're just going to go through, we're going to discuss this one first. Suddenly he like stood up and he started screaming at them both and Korean. He said he wanted to kill them. Oh, wow. He, he said some bad language and he was, and he's like stepping towards them. Like he was about to punch them in the face or something, which is crazy. And I was like, <laughs> I was taken aback. I was just kind of like, whoa, whoa, what the hell's going on? And why the, and it was in Korean at first too. So it was like, whatever he was complaining about, I couldn't understand. I thought maybe like the girls were just talking to each other the whole time and they hadn't included him in the conversation, which I still think might've been part of the problem or something, but still his reaction was bonkers. And so 
after like a minute, he started walking away. And so then me and another male student who was in the class got between him and the women that he hated. <laughs> and he kept yelling at them in Korean and stuff. And they were shocked and everybody was shocked. And then he ran out of there. And so we took a five minute break to cool down and everything. And I went up and told the front desk, like, look, this guy, frankly, can't be in my class anymore. The women in the class don't feel safe anymore. It's not good. We don't know what the hell's wrong with them, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So anyways, yeah, after the class, after the class was over, I mean, everybody felt better. We got back into a good mood and everything and stuff. And But after the class, they all went up there together and complained about this guy and said, look, we don't want to be in the class with this guy. He needs to be gone. And so our front desk staff at the school had to call him and tell him, like, look, you can't come back. You're done at this school. And he, he apologized, apparently, but, like, that's it, I guess. So yeah. I still don't fully know what happened, but, yeah, after two incidents in my 10 a.m. morning class, different classes mm. on Tuesdays and Friday, different class, each one. But, like, I've just had two totally insane incidents within two days, and I'm just like, wow. Well, we did just have a full moon with the lunar eclipse, so who knows? <laughs> when was that? How how recently? Uh, I think it was the Sunday, maybe. Okay, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something in the water over here. But, <laughs> yeah, people have been people have been wilding out in my classes. It's got yeah. to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. Well, hopefully they uh, they start behaving themselves. But um, I'm getting the signal. I have to I have to go here because we gotta take the family out to get some food. But um, it's good talking to you, Cha. And uh, I think this is another epic podcast. And uh, I'm gonna have quite the editing job here later to splice everything in. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that, I don't envy you on that. I, I really, yeah, I feel bad. But um, but I, I, I do say I think like. I need to go back through and listen to all of my episodes because whenever I do listen to the episodes that I'm on, I actually feel pretty good about, like, sometimes the sound quality of my voice is not so good because mm-hmm. my, my mouth is far away from the phone. Well, I think I it's partially that, your cheek is covering maybe the, the the hole or whatever. I don't know if that's it, but you do get a little bit muffled sometimes. But, yeah, it's pretty clear right now, so. Oh, good. Yeah, the, um, well, um, but yeah, that's something. But at the same time, I'm always impressed by the production quality you bring to it, as far as like sound effects, um, news clips, and stuff, and so forth. Like I, I really do appreciate the you know the amount of work that you put into these podcasts, Bob. So, and I hope our audience does too, because I think uh, I think quality you know yeah. to improve. So. Well, I appreciate that, but I do think it helps uh, extend the life of these a little bit more because it's more of a you get some primary sources and historical documents in there. It, it makes it a little bit more legit. So I try to make sure to include that whenever I can. So, um. all right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll go, uh, I think we got another good episode here for the uh, for the Rob Burgess fan base and uh, and the Russians who may be listening to sharpening their knives, their steely knives. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll see you guys next time. Cool. Well, uh, I'll talk to you later, Chad. Yep. All right. Bye, bye, Rob. Bye.
you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast everywhere it's available, which includes iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. It really helps. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.